in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. I am your co-host, Andy Hart, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Andy, it is so good to see you today. Always a wonderful pleasure to see you. Oh, geez, Art, you're seeming so serene. Yes, Andy, that's true. I have reached enlightenment. Wow. So you know all the secrets of the universe? Yes, that's true, Andy. Then you must know all of my deepest, darkest secrets. Yes. Wow. I know what you do with those mustard packets late at night. <laughs> well, I'm not going to let you out me. I'm going to out myself. I use it as lubricant for jerking it. Bunkers. Bunkers. <laughs> I'm using mustard to jerk off my little pee-pee. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> You've broken me out of Nirvana. I like the spicy you vinegar my enlightenment. <laughs> Oh, it's it's the spicy hot brown mustard with the little seeds. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. It really gets in the pores. It's exfoliating. You can get that in packet form? Yeah. <laughs> I got a mustard guy. <laughs> of course I got a mustard guy. <laughs> but you know what, Art? More what? important than the mustard you smear on your dick is the mustard you smear on your soul. Wow. Or on your heart. Wow, Andy. Or on your mind. You sound like somebody who might start a religion. <laughs> I've been kicked out of so many, I might as well start my own at this so point. about time. You know, I Based think that people mustard. who start religions are pretty interesting. That's why today we're covering a pretty recent religion, to be honest. Whoa! Christianity 2? Right. Christianity 2.0, Return of the Christ. <laughs> You've heard of the passion. Now it's time for the return. Coming this summer, Christ <laughs> is risen once again, and he's out for vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Love thy neighbor has become kill thy neighbor. <laughs> In a high stakes apocalyptic showdown. <laughs> no, we're talking about realism. Realism? Realism. It is a ET ancient astronaut religion. Oh my God, this is a UFO religion. UFO religion. Wow. Um, this uh, topic to cover realism was submitted to us by... A boink foinker. Get out of town. A proud boink foinker. I can't uh, even believe it. A beloved patron of this show. Get out of here, really. Adam Mezzaroni. Adam Mezzaroni. Mezzaroni. If you great go, guy. Yeah, great guy. I have a picture of him sitting in my drawer. Okay. Don't ask why. Somebody get the mustard. <laughs> Me and him, we go back. We have history. Right. They go back. And uh, Adam, if um, talk to Storm. 
them to uh, get donked for me. <laughs> A little inside baseball. A little inside baseball. Adam, that one's just for you. I don't even get it. But, but hey, thank you for, the, for this topic. Thanks for this topic. This is a great topic. Super topic. Something I think we both we both were champing at the bit to, to cover this one, but it's a beefy boy. It's beefy. This I I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, Bung Funkers. This enchilada today is stuffed. It's XL. It's double XL. Yeah. It's overstuffed. Oh my god. It's bursting at the seams mm-hmm. with all kinds of fillings and toppings and tortillas. And you're going to get your mind tummies fucking full today. So Holy shit. In the interest of time, we are going to go a little bit shorter on the intro. It's only going to be 30 minutes long. <laughs> so no reason to skip. We're not even going to put a timestamp in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Just fucking kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. There'll be a timestamp if yeah. you want to get right into it. If you're so hungry, you can't wait for a little appetizer. Yeah, you didn't have breakfast this morning. The and most important ready. meal of the day. Yeah, I mean... Your poor choices aside, yeah. check the show notes, which will approximate a timestamp near where the research begins. Then you, it's your job to figure, we'll, go, we'll fucking get you like part of the way there. Look, it's your job to figure out the rest. Look, Art and I are like Jesus. We help those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't tell you what the ads will be. And we do have a tactical combat shotgun. Yeah, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus would have wanted. <laughs> nothing's, the laser better sight. For, nothing's better for clearing out tombs than a tactical <laughs> shotgun. Yeah. So anyway, check that, but don't, because first, Art and I got to tell you how we ended up in the bunker this week. I mean, honestly. I feel a little greasy about what I did. I feel a little upset about how things transpired. I feel yeah. a little, I feel a little hurt. I feel a little betrayed. I feel a little like my brand allegiance has been called into question. I mean, it was a bit of a spicy scenario. I'm not going to lie. Buckfuckers, uh, maybe you've seen out there in the world today, pizza delivery robots. The future is now. The future is here. Pizza delivery robots are a thing. Lots of major pizza brands mm-hmm. are motherfucking using little cute little robots. Little robots on wheels to deliver your pizza pie hot tre- and fresh. Treads even. Little treaded, little tanky, treaded tanky little robots with food stuffed in their bellies. And they come to your door. It's hot and fresh. All you got to do is open the robot's compartment. Are we so bad that, you know, what, like, so, like, I'm, like, you know, they did this experience for a reason. They do this for a reason. They know it's a novel experience. We got excited about it. We got really into it. Yeah. We, we ordered a pizza pie, you and me. Right. We were hanging out. We ordered a pizza pie. This delivery robot shows up at the door. We, we were like, oh, we were freaking out. I'm, I expected, when I ordered delivery, yeah. I expect... A teen, a teen, or an older person, yeah, to show up at my door with my food, right? And for me, I usually expect them to drop the food on the floor, please, and just so I have no right human contact whatsoever. Right. In fact, and I say, don't I say, put it down, yeah. drop it, right? Drop it and actually shove it into a bush. I'll scavenge for it later. That's how I like to eat, right? It feels more natural that way. I'm a, I'm a, I'm very much a small kind of gremlin cockroach like human. Look, our society's so consumeristic. So consumeristic. And it's nice to get back to nature a little bit, right. like our ancestors would have done, finding slices of pizza yeah. stuck into a bush. Hunter-gatherer. Right, exactly. It really speaks to my primal But urges. I got to say, I'm ready to throw those primal urges out the window for this delivery robot. I mean, speak of a primal urge, that robot is cute. These they robots, have little cute faces on the robots. They give them cute faces. They're trying to make them human, and it's working. They're smiling at you. <laughs> I mean- 
when's the last time you got a big smile from a delivery person? And I don't Never. blame them. I'm always telling it's the a delivery tough people job. to smile. Yeah, I'm always like, I'm going to tip you. Not as good as I would have Anytime I see a receptionist, smiled. I'm always like, smile more, will you? <laughs> hey, so would it kill true. you to smile? Come on. <laughs> it's not so bad. Let's hit a smile. I'm always saying that. Doctor's office, the pharmacy. God, you got a lot of health problems. The dentists, the dermatologist, your ENT. my ear nose, ear, nose, throat, my podiatrist, <laughs> right? My my nutritionist, yeah. Personal trainer, my personal trainer, physical therapist, my physical therapist, <laughs> my back surgeon, right? Your front surgeon, my front surgeon, <laughs> your penis enlargement doctor. Smile more. I go, smile more. What a guy in a smile. Let's get a smile. But Nothing. these robots do it for you. They're so happy. They're so friendly. It was such a great experience, Andy. We, we, you and I, we got that pizza. We were going to sit down. We were going to watch the new, um, you know, there, there's been a couple of interesting series out there that you and I are interested in. People might be thinking, oh, well, uh, Andy Dart, you know, they're going to watch that new House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones prequel, um, you know. We, we thought about that. We also thought about watching all of the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies back to back to mm-hmm. back to back. We were going to have a movie night. Right. Um, you know, the squeakening. We were going to have that. And then um, we just were so obsessed with that robot. We just sat there eating pizza, talking about that robot. Yeah. We, we couldn't get enough. I could not stop thinking about this robot. That robot left and it went back to work. Right. And I was just like, man, what do you got to do to party with that robot? We did to get that robot back. We got to get that robot back here. So- I mean, we finished that pizza and we ordered another pizza immediately. We had to get that robot back. <laughs> we had to get that robot back. And I mean, I think honestly, this pizza was not that great. No. To be honest, if I wouldn't have ordered again from Mr. Sauce's Cheesy Pizza Time Parlor unless they had these cute fucking delivery robots. It's 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 a new place that popped up. We saw it online. We said, "Ah, we'll give it a try, Mr. Mr. Sauce's Cheesy Pizza Time Parlor. Yeah. We thought, oh, okay, you know what? They've got the robot. But the robot, I mean, that's the selling point. That's, I don't care about the your deal pizza. Breaker. Your pizza could be dog shit. Right. Serve it to me in a robot. I do think there might have been some dog shit on my slices. I don't know if that was from the bush. Because <laughs> we did put it in a bush after we got we it out of the robot. Or if that was coming from the pizza parlor. But this so robot. We just... Every day... Like, you came over every single day. We were just ordering pizzas. Ordering pizzas. Right. Ordering pizzas. And it's oh, like, yeah. you know, we got really invested in we're watching the so latest season of uh, American Kid Ninja Warrior. And so we just keep ordering pizzas and watching American Kid Ninja Warrior yeah. every day. Yeah. God, um, these kids are so athletic. Yeah, I know. And this robot's so cute. This robot's so fucking cool. He's so fucking cute. He's a little smiley face. You take the pizza out. You close his little lid. His little t- You like eat it out of his, you pull it out of his tummy. Right. It's really neat. You pull you it out, out his, his body. And then it's like you close his little toilet lid body and he goes, thank you. Boop, 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 boop. And then you go, oh, you like, what? Come back. Where are you and going? We're saying, they're like, wait, what's your number? <laughs> Do you want to hang out? So we ordered so many pizzas from this cute little robot. Yeah. And, you know, we're calling up the business. We're saying, you. Like you're gonna send the robot, right? You're gonna send right, the robot, right? And they're they're like, you know what? You guys are you guys are ordering so many. Like it's like I can't. The robot is doing other orders. Yeah, you only can afford so many robots. Yeah, and 
you know, it's like, well, we want that robot. Send it over. Red yeah, rover, we, red rover, send robot over. We start getting pissed off on the phone. We're getting, we're getting aggressive. It's getting heated. We got a little aggressive. And I'm like, you send that robot. Which is so uncharacteristic for us. Yeah. We're so mild-mannered. I, we're so well-behaved. Yeah. We're not self-centered. I'm known for my mild manners. But I mean, I got so heated when this guy just refused to send the robot. I'm like, you send that robot or I'm going down there and I'm going to set your business on fire. I know how to set a building on fire and I'll do it. <laughs> and this guy's like, hey, watch your fucking mouth. Yeah. I'll come over there and kick your ass. And I said, bring the robot and I won't care what you do to my ass. <laughs> so... Well, what eventually transpired is, yeah, it turns out, you know, the robot, they'd have all their routes to go do. Yeah. And they sent us a fucking, a human delivery driver, which is like, you know. His name was Rob Ott, but it's not the fucking same. Right. It's not the same. He had a little tag that said, hi, I'm Rob Ott. And then, you know, we got a little rough with the guy. We were kind of open his toilet. Toilet lid yeah, body. Yeah, we were trying to open his shirt, being like, where's your fucking, where's the little toilet lid body? And He's like, you can see the pizza in my hand. I'm like, get yeah. it out of your tummy. I'm yeah. going to get that pizza. So we start kind of like, kind of like smacking him around. Just kind of like, why aren't you a fucking robot? Why aren't you? We're screaming at him. Why aren't you a robot? Yeah. Be a robot. And he's like, you know, being like, get your hands off me. Stop it. You know, I know Krav Maga. Get off of me. And I was like, yeah. Fucking do Slapping him around. And you kind of were slapping his knees, and I was kind of slapping him on the tit and on the fucking back, and I was like slapping him, I was smacking him, yeah, doing little back. I'm like, slaps. give us a little bleep boop, and maybe we'll let yeah. you go, Rob. Yeah, and he's like, quit it, quit it. Yeah, tried to pull some Krav Maga moves on us. Yeah, hurt me pretty bad. Yeah, but it was because I fell down, not because he did anything to me. <laughs> and he was like, like okay, I blocked well, him perfectly, but I slipped on some right lemonade on the right. ground and right myself. And one of his Krav Maga moves was, you know, he was like, well, you got to hold this fake plastic knife in your hand and try and stab me slowly. And he was like, well, first, let me get a hold of your wrist so I can have wrist control. And I said, holy fuck, this guy's good. Like, he was really good. Like, I did everything he said. And it turns out he could totally like he got he had wrist control. Like, I was like, wow. Yeah. Holy fuck. Like Krav Maga in action. Yeah, you were totally used. You could not stab him at all with that little plastic knife. Right. That that knife where when you put any kind of pressure on it, it detracts and right. it doesn't cause any harm to the person. It's like a stage knife. Right. Um, and it's yeah, he had total wrist control, especially when I gave it to him. Right. When I presented my wrist for him to grab, and then he was able to get the plastic knife out of my hand and I couldn't I couldn't hurt him. He disarmed me. So right. Robot actually did know some Krav Maga. Yeah, you got to give it to him. This guy was a real, like, Krav Maga master. <laughs> I would have to say, probably one of the top Krav Magars yeah. in the world, I would have to say. <laughs> His moves were so fast, so clean. Uh, yeah. And there was nothing we could do. We were just totally hamstrung. Right. And so, you know, we harassed the business a little bit after that. Yeah, you know, calling we kept up, calling and threatening to burn it down. Yeah, that was mostly me, I guess. I would say, "What's up?" I would call up. I go, "What's up?" He'd be like, "I know it's you. I know it's Andy and Art." Stop and I'd it. say, "Rob, get that pizza out of your tummy. Don't make me come down there, Rob." Uh, and it's like, yeah, and then you know, yeah. I mean, it's we. I'm not. Am I proud of what we did in hindsight? Yes, a little bit. Because we it got results. It, it got results. 
Don't yeah, we stood up for ourselves. That's true. Got results. It, they did send the robot back. The robot came back. The robot did come back. So finally, robot comes back. Yeah. And I'm I'm geeked. Yeah, you were geeked out. I'm freaking out. Yeah, we were nervous. Robot's back. Yeah. I mean, I wore my formal tuxedo because I was so excited to see Robot again. And I'm thinking, yeah. you know, Robot's already, Robot's seen other delivery customers. Maybe Robot. Does Robot even remember us? Does Robot, uh, what does Robot even think about the other customers that it right. serves? Is it saying yeah. like, oh, these other customers are so cool. Do these Indian other customers have a bigger asses. tip? Yeah. You know, whose tip is bigger? Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, geez. Like, if Robot gets used to having bigger tips, you know, and then it's like. Is it going to get, like, you know, is Robot's, like, you know, money mechanism going to get, like, like expanded, like its pouch, so that it doesn't fit our tips anymore? It's going to feel our tips go in? And you then say it's, it's, like, the thought and the quality of the tip, and it's how you use the tip. Right. But. You never think about, though, yeah. what if what if his change purse gets stretched <laughs> out? From having too much, too many wads of tips in it. And true, is it like, is our form of currency like, you know, is that too vanilla? Is that too boring? Like, does he's expecting like, oh, throw in like a, you know, a, a, a German franc every once in a while yeah. or a fucking like, you know, a, 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 like a crazy, you know, obscure, like, you know, oh, a Canadian quarter or a peso or what right. have you, right? Yeah, have some yen. Here's a ruble. Yeah. I um, mean, it's like, you know, is, is, the, is, a, is a simple like a, you know. One American dollar. <laughs> gonna do anything for robot you know i only have so many like gold sacagawea coins that i've been saving right which is my life savings right that i keep in a sock well and it's like once you give once you give robot one gold sacagawea coin right it's gonna expect it right you know it's not gonna be like a new experience every time this just becomes part of your tipping repertoire yeah or you need one of those jfk half dollars right you know yeah the ones from after the assassination yeah they made Lim- limited edition, the ones with his head before, and then there were some with his head after. So they they sent the robot back, and we were you know we were nervous, but we were excited. So excited, and he delivers us a pizza. Oh, and I mean, it's like robot when robot pulls up, right? And we open his little toilet body, mm-hmm. and we we like it's there's nothing to even reach in, like it just the pizza explodes. Does. Out of robot's tummy this time, there's like, like so, boiling hot sauce, tomato hot sauce. sauce. You know how how it feels to eat hot pizza and it burns the roof of your mouth. Well, imagine yeah. your whole body is a roof of your mouth, right? Yeah, roof of your mouth. Yeah, imagine and the roof of your mouth, roof of your mouth, but it's your whole body by pizza, but it's every part of your body. Boiling hot sauce. Uh, cheesy, gooey, just goopy, stretchy, stretchy, greasy. Yeah. We're like, you know, we get disabled by this boiling hot tomato sauce. I had total wrist control. We're like, yeah. I had whole body control. Whole body control. <laughs> I mean, Rob Ott could learn a few things from Robot about wrist yeah. control and body control. We're, we're tangled up in cheese. We're like Bob Dylan right. tangled up in cheese. <laughs> and it's so greasy you can't stand up. We, we became pizza toppings. We, we were like. We were toppings on a pizza. Yeah. And Robot then put us back inside of his tummy in right. the in the heat warming case that is in, inside of his tummy. Right. And delivered us uh to the bunker. And said Thank you. Beep boop beep boop. Turns out um 
Turns out the pizza was Mr. Bunker. Yeah, Mr. Bunker was a pizza. Robot, if you're listening, just know that these were some of the best moments of my life. I feel betrayed. Getting food from you. But from also, you. you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I, what I, what, you know, what do I, I, I want to imagine that I'm the type of person who would stand up and say, I'm not going to take you back, but I, I think that I would. I'm going to forgive. And that's, a, that's a big thing to admit. I'm going to forgive Robot because Robot takes a big man to do that, Andy. Robot hasn't been instructed on ethics and morality. And that's our job yeah. as humans right. to teach Robot about morality. Sure. So I don't blame Robot for anything. <laughs> Robot, if you're listening, come on home. We'll be waiting here for you. Please deliver us a pizza. Um, we'll gladly eat out of your tummy any day, Robot. Well, speaking of delivering something, we have to deliver something to someone else. But we're not going to do it via robot. We're going to do it via obnoxious noises because right. it's time for a Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000 wow. Bunker Alarm Special oh. for a new patron wow. of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Get out of town. I won't get out of town no matter how many times you ask me and the government asks me and my family asks me and everybody who knows me asks me. I'm not leaving. Oh, okay. I live here. So we got a bunk funker to thank. We got a new proud patron. Someone who decided to take the plunge wow. and pay money the polar plunge. for the premium Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast experience. That's right. Uh, which, I mean, honestly, anybody can do. Anybody can do it. By going to Mr. Bunker, or by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker pod uh, for only five bucks a month. Five It'll bucks? get you access to 1,800 hours, Ten million hours. of beside, behind the scenes exclusive content that you can't see anywhere else. Um, Patreon only behind the scenes content um, that's completely related to the production of the show, right? And not unrelated in any way, right? Um, you'll get access to the Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get access to, um, I don't know, us. Yeah, we'll be on Discord, so you right. could say things to us, right? Uh, just check it out. Just uh, check if it out if you have the means to do so, and you feel so inclined. And I tell you who did feel inclined. Who did? Our latest patron, Sam Winters. Sam Winters. Sam Winters. I don't know where Sam Winters exactly. Probably Florida. That's a popular <laughs> Maybe Arizona. Um, but Sam, Hello, thank you so Sam much. Sam Winters. Hello, Sam. It's me, Bond. Does it sound like a Bond name? What do you think? You're a big Bond guy. <laughs> Sam, thank you. That was the dead body of Sean Connery. <laughs> Rising from the grave. Hello, Sam. To say hi. Good to see you again. Sam, not every podcast is going to get Sean Connery's dead corpse to come and say hello. So, Sam, thanks Sam, so much. thank you. For being a patron of this show. We really do appreciate your support. We do. And to demonstrate that auditorily, mm-hmm. we're going to now flip on the world-famous Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. Blue Ribbon. Blue Kelly Blue Book. Blue Ribbon winning at the county fair. Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000, which is going to play a perfectly synced alarm. It's incredible. Uh, to welcome you into the Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honor? Which is You've heard we, of the Rings of Power. Welcome to the Rings of which Honor. Which is what we call our patrons. They're the Ring of Honor. <laughs> so let me just go ahead and turn this thing on. Wow. 
That thing is roaring today. Yeah, it is. That's a Hemi. Yeah, I'm revving it. Wow. You got it in neutral, but you're still revving it. Yeah. You know, that can kind of fuck up the gears and shafts and shit. Oh, yeah. It'll fuck you up for sure. <laughs> anyway, let's do some fucking alarms. Woo! Yeah, let's do it, baby. <laughs> All right. Guess I'm just going to put it into gear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're ready. <laughs> it's in gear. Which gear? D3. You, of course, D3. You, of course, big time manual driver. Big time manual. Love me a stick shift. <laughs> Can't get enough clutching and breaking and gassing. Let's put it in H. I don't know what that means. Or N. Uh, all right, crazy Vaklov. Yeah. What did the H? Sam, when I push my foot down on the gas pedal, when I put my pedal to the metal, yeah. Like, get ready, because this is alarm is coming at Sam, you hot and fast. Fucking, if you're not wearing stirrups on your little socks, fucking, you better start, because they're about to be blown off. And hey, if you're not wearing an adult diaper right now, I mean, you better go yeah. pause this. Pause this. Go to the so drugstore, buy one, uh-huh. put it on, come back, start this up. Because we're going to play the brown yeah, note. Put it on at the drugstore. <laughs> Don't wait. <laughs> Deep drop trowel right there and say, I want to try before I buy if anybody asks. Put that bad boy right on and then plug this podcast right into your ears. Don't pull your pants up yet. I guess the thing is, if you get an adult diaper and you say, I want to try it before I buy it, you have to put it on and then shit or piss yourself. Because if you don't do that, you didn't really try it. You didn't. You didn't take it for a real test drive. But Sam, this bunker alarm, this one's for you. We're going to do a little countdown and then it's going to it's going to go hard. It's going to hit you. All right. So here we go. In three, two, one. Wow. 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 Who told you it was going to come at you fast? It was going to come at you hard. I hope you enjoyed that because. Sam, thanks again for your support. Uh, Your patronage does mean a lot to us. It does. We hope you enjoyed that bunker alarm and it won't make you cancel your uh, patronage. Um, (laughs) So, Sam, thanks again. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. Oh, boy. There's a lot of diesel fumes in here. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Sean Connery. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Sam Witwicky. Me, Sean Optimus Prime. We have to, ha, ah, much money, Bernie. We have to get the, we have to get the time cube from the Decepticons. I don't know what the fuck. I'm on drugs. Yeah, geez. All right, let's go. Yeah, hey, anyway, I'm yeah. filled. I'm going to turn off the uh, Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm oh, yeah, 3000. Please, please. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Oh. <laughs> we'll click. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm filled with the power of the alien spirit, Andy. I'm getting a little loopy. I'm getting a little lightheaded because... Yeah. I'm You're thinking about the all power the of secrets realism. revealed yeah. of 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 humanity mm-hmm. and uh, realism and how sexy Pope. Oh, is the leader. Yeah, right. He's a cutie. He's a cutie. He's got good dance cutie moves. Cutie with a little top knot. Oh, um, love a man bun. Big old ding dong. Good singing does he, voice. Does he have a big ding dong? I don't know. 
We'll find out <laughs> momentarily. <laughs> so stick with us here, uh, beefers, um, as we explore realism here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Oh, Thomas, Thomas, I see you've you've joined. The, hello, knock knock, Thomas. It's us. Have you ever accepted the Church of Realism into your heart, Thomas the Tank Engine? It's a train religion. That's the joke. Hey, Art. Hey. Have you ever heard? Have you ever read the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Did you ever see those movies, the Lord of the Rings movies? Uh, wait. Well, I don't know because it, I, I don't. Why are you saying rings like that? Why uh, are you saying it like that? Yeah, I, Art, I've, I'm talking about Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's epic movie trilogy, which brought to life the books of Rael. Have you never fucking seen these movies, uh, you uncultured swine? Uh, Lord of the Rings? Andy, I don't I think you're you're mispronouncing something or something because it doesn't you're not making any sense because I'm talking about realism art. Come on. Realism. I don't know what you're talking about. Quit hanging out with your wide social circle all the time and stay home and watch a movie once in a while. <laughs> God. Realism is like the one religion to rule them all. Oh. It's integrating a lot of characters and ideas from other religions to give us a real trail mix of spiritual guidance. Trail Lord mix. of the Rings, Art. Seeing as how you are totally clueless. Well, you're I'm, saying it like you're slobbering. Lord of the Rings. You're saying it like how you order onion rings. Give me some onion rings. Lord of the Rings. Realism. No. Rayangs. Oh, Christ. Now, seeing as how you're totally clueless, Art, I'm going to take it on I myself. I clearly have no idea what's going on. I'm going to help you out here and explain realism to you. So without further ado, the lore of the Rayangs. Realism was founded by a French fella named Claude Voyon. Ooh. Now, Claude Voyon was born in Vichy, France, on the 30th of September. Not Veni or Viti? Nope, Vichy. 1946, Vichy, I suppose is how a French person would pronounce it. Um, Claude was born out of wedlock to a 15-year-old mother named Colette. Uh, his father was a married man, married to a woman who wasn't Colette, that is, who was also- She was 15, you say? She was 15. Jesus. Uh, and his father was a was married to somebody else, was a Sephardic Jew who is now known to us as Marcel X, um, who was in hiding from the Nazis at the time because he was Jewish. Okay. Now, Marcel, but he had sex with a fifteen year old. He had sex with a, impregnated a fifteen year old. Okay. So he could have had sex more than once with a fifteen year old. Now, Marcel had a timber company in Alsace, also in France. And after World War II, he went back to his life in Alsace. He abandoned Colette and Claude, though he did continue to see Colette after they broke up. Now, at age seven, Colette, well, when Claude was seven, right. Colette sent him to live with his grandmother and his aunt. Uh, Claude recalled his grandmother and aunt raising him as an atheist, 
even though he attended a Roman Catholic boarding school for a little bit of time. Now, at the age of 15, after his father, Marcel, had died. Wait, what year was he born? Uh, he was born in 1946. Wow. He's old. He's old. Yeah. Okay. He's old as fuck. He's got a young energy. Oh, yeah. We're going to, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Oh, he's got a young energy. There's a very big, there's a big, long Vice documentary where they follow this fucking guy around. Yeah, he's, he's young he's at a heart. youthful energy. Young at heart. But back to his actual youth, when he was 15. Is that our detective agency? Yeah, it is. <laughs> back to his youth. No, young at heart. Young at heart. Yeah. Young. It's, it's, you know, it's there. Yeah. Heart, art. We'll see. We got it. Yeah. We're workshopping. Well, it's, it's in the works, beefers. Yeah. So when Claude was 15. His father, Marcel, had died, and he was forced by his mom, Colette, to drop out of school. Forced. So Claude put his guitar on his shoulder and hitched his way to Gay Paris, uh, which is Paris, France, to follow his dreams of becoming a singer, performing under the pseudonym Claude Seller. Hmm. He became quite popular with the song Le Miel et la Canelle, which is Honey and Cinnamon and released five records between 1966 and 1971. I'm going to list those. Dans un verre de vin, in a glass of wine. Madame Pipi, Mrs. Toilet Attendant. Are you serious? That's a real one. Madame Pipi. This isn't your musical career? No, these are real. <laughs> this isn't when you adopted that whole French New Wave thing and you like, you started releasing records? Monsieur Poupou. <laughs> My du de tola, homme du tola. So there was Madame Pipi, okay, uh, Monsieur votre femme mettron, Mister, your wife is cheating on me. Juan os Marie, uh, when we'll get married, and mon amour Patricia, my love Patricia. Okay, pretty, those last couple, yeah. those last couple got a little bit more stable. Madame Pipi. According to Claude, over his life, he's written over 200 songs. A lot. So eventually, Claude married a nurse and they had two children. Realizing he was never going to become a singing sensation, Claude settled on a more practical profession, race car driver. Oh, same. <laughs> he graduated from the Winfield Racing School in Magnicourt, France. In 1973, he founded the racing car magazine Autopop and also worked as a test driver for race cars. Wow. To hear him describe it, he basically said to some advertisers for Autopop, you want to advertise in this magazine? I'll let you advertise for free if you get me a race car. And so <laughs> Audi gave him a race car for a whole season. Jesus Christ. So in uh, November 1973, while France was dealing with the fallout from the 1973 oil crisis where OPEC started an oil embargo to punish nations that supported Israel during the Yom Kippur War. France introduced a new law outlawing racing, which ended Rael's uh, or uh, Claude's nascent uh, racing career. Autopop then ceased publication in September of 1974. Oh, that fucking sucks. Now, here's some historical context around this time in France, okay? okay. Uh, Eric Von Daniken's seminal... Oh, I'm sorry, that seminal text, Chariots of the Gods, was published in 1968. The book became a worldwide sensation, but Von Daniken was influenced by, some say he stole from, 
a French author named Robert Charroux, who wrote multiple books on ancient astronaut theory in the 1960s and 70s. No, I don't believe that. You don't believe he wrote those books? I don't believe that anybody in the ancient astronaut community would ever steal or not attribute or do anything like that just for monetary means at all. No, these are all original ideas by the authors. Right. And there's nothing more to look into here. Please go back to bed. Yes. Go so, back to bed. <laughs> so also in the 60s and 70s, there was another French author actively writing on the topic of ancient astronaut vegetation by the name of Jean Cindy. Now, as such, this is a very popular topic in French at the time. So as- ancient astronaut Ancient ideas, astronaut there is very popular? Somewhat popular in France wow. at the time. Multiple authors working on this same thing. That. And kind of ahead of the curve a little bit on this, right? It's kind of neat. So when in 1974, Claude Vaurion announced that he'd been in contact with what he described as a, quote, human being from another planet, end quote, on December 13th, 1973, it's no wonder when he got some media exposure in France. Okay. According to Vaurion, he had been contacted by a race of ETs who called themselves the Elohim. Claude said yeah. he... Claude said he was driving through Clermont-Ferrand in central France. Suddenly, he got a an urge to take a walk along the Puy de la Sola, which is a volcanic mountain in France. Okay. Claude was just walking along. Yeah, running. I get a couple urges to take a walk too. Wink, wink. I know what you mean. <laughs> wink, wink. Like when I see Jamie Lee Curtis shilling that activity yogurt commercial, I'm like, oh yeah, I got an urge to take a walk. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Back box of tissues. The right. Lock the door. Have Put diarrhea. Put a sock on the door. Right. Have diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I take a walk. Wink. <laughs> yeah, Art's got his own pooey deal. That's a lot. So Claude's just walking along. He's walking along this volcano. Minding his own. When a bright flashing light appeared in the sky. And it was coming right for him. Holy shit. Claude said it was gray, metallic, and shaped like a flattened bell. The object came to a stop about 30 meters away from Claude, hovering above the ground. A staircase descended to the ground from the craft, and an Eloha, a singular Elohim, walked out. An Eloha? Yeah, Eloha. Okay. Eloha. If only they'd have landed in Hawaii. It would have been very confusing. (laughs) So Claude said the Aloha, whose name was Yahweh, asked him to return the next day and to bring a Bible with him. Christian Bible. Claude did so, and over the course of six meetings on six consecutive days at Puy de la Sola, Yahweh the Aloha explained to Claude, the human, the true meaning of the Bible and shared important information about the Elohim's involvement in human history. Claude said the Aloha gave him a mission, quote, to inform humanity of this revolutionary message and to prepare mankind to welcome their creators, the Elohim, without any mysticism or fear, but as conscious and grateful human beings. End quote. Claude agonized for months over what to do, almost developing a stomach ulcer. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. But finally, he decided to give up his hot rod lifestyle and fully commit to the mission given to him by the Elohim. Claude decided to take his show on the road and started to give interviews on French radio and TV. He also started lecturing in Paris, which got him some followers, people who were interested in the truths being revealed by the Elohim. 
A newsletter, Apocalypse, began publication in October of 1974. Then in December of 1974, an organization based on what was revealed to Claude Vuillon was formed. The Mouvement pour l'Arcel de Elohim Créateurs de la Humanité. Dude, know. that was perfect French. Yeah. And I know, because I'm Flawless. from France. Yeah. Or as it's abbreviated, MADEC. M-A-D-E-C-H. MADEC. MADEC, MADEC, MADEC. Get on MADEC. So that's, uh, in English, the movement for the welcoming of the Elohim, creators of humanity. Okay. So brevity is not the soul of your organization. He's kind of got, he's got very much a Mormon thing going on, right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm serious, right? You know yeah. how the origin of the Mormon religion is. Oh, yeah. Joseph Smith. Okay. You've got. There's. They call theirs with it starts with an E, too, right? They believe uh, Jesus came from a different place called, I think, something similar to Elohim. Yeah, I don't remember, though. But I don't remember the name either. And then it's like he appeared to him in the golden tablets. There's a very funny scene in that Vice documentary where um, Claude. Late, much, much later in his life, meets a Mormon. And they're both exchanging pamphlets. It's like the same fucking shit. And making each other promise that they'll read them. And the Mormon asks him if he'll pray, and he says, no, we don't pray. We meditate. Anyway. Get fucked. Get dunked get fucked. on, Mormon. Yeah. Fucking loser. So um, so after Madek gets found Madek. dead, uh, Claude Vuillon begins to refer to himself as Rael. Rael said the Elohim gave him this name from the name Israel, Israel, Rael, uh, which Rael said translates to the messenger of those who come from the sky. Okay. Madek began raising money to publish Rael's sky first book. Pope. The Sky Pope. Sky Pope. <laughs> so Madek began raising money to publish Rael's first book, which dropped in 1974, titled La Rue Qui La Vraité, or the book that tells the truth, the book became a foundational text for what would become realism. So while Medek was going great or whatever, there was some drama art. Some members of Medek wanted the organization to be less about Rael's encounter and more about ET relations with humans in general. They didn't just want to focus on his thing. They wanted to focus on everything. Wow. So... These same members who wanted a larger focus, a broader focus for Madek, also wanted to limit Rael's control over the organization. So to address this forming schism, Rael called an emergency meeting in April of 1975. The meeting failed to resolve things, and in July of 1975, he fired Madek's leadership and replaced them with people who supported him. Hell yeah. Now, despite this, despite that, this is swift action. Strong action, Rael failed to pacify his haters in Madek, and in 1976, he shut it down. The Raelian movement was started as a replacement organization in February of 1976. It operated with Rael as its director, referred to as the Guide of Guides. More than just a UFO club, the Rael movement functioned like uh, a religion, including ritual practices. Uh, it continued the publication of the Apocalypse newsletter to spread its message. So while all this jockeying for a position in Madek was going on, Rael also announced in 1975 that while in the south of France, he had a sudden urge to visit Rock Plot in the Pyrenees. Another mountain. Rael said that at Rock Plot, he had been contacted by Yahweh, the Aloha 
for a second time on October 7th, 1975. Whoa. And that during this meeting, Yahweh took him on a spaceship and they traveled to the Elohim homeworld, the planet of the Eternals. Rael outlined these claims in his... Marvel's Eternals? No, no. The planet of the Eternals. Oh. Fuck. The real life planet of the Eternals. Man. Not some comic book shit. So, Rael outlined uh, these claims in his 1975 book. Les extraterrestres, mon You speak French like you got stung in the mouth by a yeah, bee. Yeah, like, uh, like I had a stroke yeah. two seconds ago. Right. <laughs> now, according to Rael, while on the Elohim homeworld, he was offered multiple biological robot women with which to have sex. No fucking way, dude. Serious? Serious. Oh, that's awesome. He also saw the Elohim create his clone. Yes. Like they took. Where's this religion been? <laughs> they took a drop of blood from his forehead and then he watched his adult clone materialize yeah. in a bed next to his. This rules. This is fucking awesome. And he learned about sensual meditation. Fuck yeah. That's, this was that's a event- kegel. This that's what a kegel is. It was an eventful trip, to say the least. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, this is rules. So while he was on the Elohim homeworld, Rael said he saw beautiful multicolored birds and squirrels with oh, the heads of bear well, cubs. Well, I'm not into that, but I like the squirrels. Squirrels with the heads of bear cubs, oh, which were pink and blue. Holy shit. Fuck yeah. So in nineteen Bear squirrels. Bear squirrels. <laughs> They're fucking care bears, dude. I mean, these are like... Squirrels that will actually kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in 1976, the Raelians sent a mission to Canada, to sp- specifically to the province of Quebec. Uh, there was a natural affinity between the French-speaking Raelians and French-speaking maple eaters. And in 1977, <laughs> an official Quebecois branch was formed. Okay. In 1978, Rael's first two books were then published together in one edition in English titled Space Aliens Took Me to Their Planet. In 1986, the books were later republished as The Message Given to Me by Extraterrestrials, They Took Me to Their Planet. In 1998, a new English translation was published called The Final Message. So clearly, with each new edition, Rael made the titles of these combined editions less and less good. What a pity. So in 1980, the he, he's, he's been going downhill since the toilet attendant. Yeah. Or whatever the fuck that one was called. Madame PP. Madame PP. Mrs. Toilet Attendant. So... In 1980, the Raelians sent a mission to Japan. They sent a mission to Africa in Holy 1982. Fuck, they're spreading, dude. And they sent a mission to Australia in 1990. In the early 1980s, the Raelians bought a campground near Albi in southern France, which they named Eden. This was like a place where they would gather together and have big meetings of Raelians. In 1984, Rael took a step back from the public spotlight for a year, which he called a retreat. Think of it as like taking a year from public appearances to focus on his spiritual development. Okay. Now, following his year away from the spotlight, Rael's wife left him. Oh, shit. She left Raelism and sort of disappeared, later moving oh. to the Netherlands and changing her name. Oh, shit. And hey, Art, look out. More drama. Oh, my God. Call TMZ. In 1992, Rael was dealing with another schism in his movement. As 40 members got kicked out of the international Raelian movement, the booted members started a rival movement called the Apostles of the Last Days 
based on the belief that Rael was the original spokesman of the Elohim, but had since been possessed by Satan. Oh, fuck. And I relate to this so much because yeah. I've been accused of being possessed by Satan by every group I've ever joined. You so, have very satanic eyes. I will yeah, tell you that. I do. And I you have You're the eyes of a shark. And I have goat hooves. So in 1992. You smell of sulfur. I smell of sulfur everywhere I go. There's nothing I can do about it. It's glandular. <laughs> it's glandular. In 1992, the Raelian movement bought more land, 115 hectares, Holy near fuck. Valcour in Quebec. They named the place Le Jardin du Prophète. Or I guess it's Jardin. It's not Spanish. Jardinera? It's Le Jardinera. <laughs> the Prophet. Which means the Jardinera of the Prophet. That's our religion. It's called the, the Garden of the Prophet. Okay. In 1997, the Raelians opened UFO Land, a museum about ufology. Uh, and they opened that at Le Jardin du Prophète. Um, this uh, UFO land's purpose was to raise money for the Elohim Embassy, a place for the Elohim to return to Earth and be welcomed by Raelians. Unfortunately, in 2001, UFO land closed to the public because it wasn't making enough money to support itself. Oh, fuck that, dude. I wanted to go there. Well... Art, Hope Springs Eternal. Yeah! In 2009, the church announced plans for a new UFO land in Las Vegas. Ooh, that's, I can go there. Yeah, even though the North American Raelian movement moved its HQ to Las Vegas, it doesn't seem like UFO land there has materialized as of this recording. Okay, well, you got my hopes up, well, you jerk. Yeah, maybe it'll happen in the future. So, during the mid-1990s, Rail got back to driving race cars. Hell yeah. Competing in the 1995 Canadian Grand Prix and the 1998 Motorola Cup in Miami, before fully retiring from the sport in 2001. But Rael says he still enjoys playing racing sims online. Who do, I, dude, I, I've thought about fucking... Have you ever seen these rigs? Like I can't afford the fucking like crazy ones. Like have the gear shift and the steering wheel and the Even pedals. Even the entry-level ones, it's kind of fun, dude. Get a little, you get a little wheel, you get a little shift, you get the pedals. Neat. Okay. Video games. Maybe you want to race with Rael sometime. Maybe I do. So, in 1997, Art, a month after it was announced that Dolly the Sheep, the world's first viable cloned animal, was born. God, I remember that so You remember funny. Dolly? Yeah. Rael established a company called Valiant Venture focused on commercial applications of cloning. 1997, Art, this was a big year for the Raelians. Oh, UFO land yeah. and cloning. Here comes that, that lady with the red hair. Man, if only they could have cloned visitors to UFO land. All their problems would have been solved. The clones get charged twice. I guess they do, huh? You sure? Yeah. They're separate people. Now that's funny. That's like parent trap funny. It's like, well, I, oh, that, that was, you know, oh, you already charged me. Yeah. Does your clone get a different name though? I don't think so. Well, I don't think so in this scenario, which we'll discuss. Clones have the same names. Well, because you're, I mean... We're kind of killing Hamlet in the first act here, but your clone is a vessel for your immortality. So, Valiant's efforts, Valiant Ventures' efforts. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fucking immortality. So, Valiant's efforts eventually led to the creation of an organization called Clonade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clonade was co-founded and run by a <laughs> Raelian bishop named Brigitte Bosselier. That's the lady. That's who you're thinking of? Yeah. Also, I just want to say, I think the Kool-Aid Man might be a clone. 
Who? The Kool-Aid man. The Kool-Aid man, yeah. I think he's cool. He definitely is. Yeah. No, no actual picture of Kool-Aid would last this long. Right. So client um Rael and Bossolier both testified before the US Congress during a hearing on human cloning in March 2001, urging the government to allow expanded scientific research into cloning, basically. Yeah. Clients of CloneAid can bank a sample of their DNA with the group, which offers to then produce a single clone of the individual after they die. CloneAid offers other cloning-related services to its clients as well. For example, um, there's Ovulade, which provides ovaries for individuals and couples who cannot biologically produce their offspring, people like me. It advertises, um, Ovulate advertises its Yeah, you intention. have a significant lack of ovaries. Right. I don't have nearly enough ovaries. Uh, Ovulate advertises its intelligence, its intention to develop technologies that can create, quote unquote, designer babies to the desired specifications of their clients. Gattaca. Uh, there's also InsuraClone, uh, which is designed to clone organs for individuals in the event of future organ failure. And then there's Clonapet. Aimed to clone people's pets after the pets die. So those are That's just healthy. Those are just some of those uh, cloning it's ventures. A healthy coping mechanism for sure. So in July of 1998, Rayel announced that in December of 1997, he was again in contact with the Elohim, who ordered him to form a new group as part of the Raelian movement, the Order of Rayel's Angels. Uh, Art, I'm sorry, but is it just me or was 1997 the biggest year for Ray Elian so far? Um, I'm starting to think it was, Andy. Uh, 97 is chock full of important happenings for this group. It was the dream team. So anyway, Rail's Angels was designed to be a group for women who would welcome the Elohim to Earth and have sex with them after their arrival. Oh, okay. Rayel said the angels would be the only humans allowed to interact with the Elohim and, and after their arrival on Earth. The angels will serve as the Elohim's proxies when dealing with other humans. And while this is sexy as hell, the group was somewhat controversial because it challenged the established Raelian doctrine that men and women are wholly equal and interchangeable. This is a group only allowed women. Rael said only women could be angels because men were not feminine enough for the extremely gentle, delicate, and sensitive Elohim. So not surprisingly, then gentle and delicate. they're they're very delicate, gentle aliens. <laughs> and they want to fuck raw and hard. They want to fuck raw and hard, but they're extremely feminine. They're seriously, gentle. they're very gentle and they're very quiet and they're right. very coy. Right. Now, not surprisingly, angels are expected to cultivate their feminine and nurturing side. Their objective is to please the Elohim and to resemble them more closely by developing their internal and external beauty. And in case you're wondering. While Raelism doesn't put a focus, per se, on individual beauty, Rael has said that the Elohim prize the most beautiful of humanity because the most beautiful most closely resemble the original races created on Earth by the Elohim. So it's only natural that the Elohim would want to come to Earth again and fuck the shit out of these extremely beautiful women because they look like the original women. Right, right, right. So smoking hot babes, smoking hot babes, just like they were right. at the dawn of time. Yeah, we have all seen those cave paintings and c come to them, right? We've right. all jerked off to cave paintings, <laughs> right? Yeah, I went to those caves in France. It couldn't stop coming because these people in this are just so sexy. Oh my god, I've seen those three D recreations of like early hominids, and I'm just like, oh god, who doesn't immediately start jacking off when they see a picture of a Neanderthal? I know I do. Liars, that's who. Or you know, one of those like. 
humanoids that's mostly an ape still. Yeah. Nothing gets my dick the harder. Tonga child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tong child. Except I like Tong adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now the angels have been a boon to realism's public relations and have also been volunteers for its human cloning experiments. <laughs> angels have also sold their eggs, you know, from their ovaries on the internet, launching an egg selling website in 1999. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rael said this website would allow the angels to become financially independent. Okay. Um, in 2001, Rael was on a speaking tour of Asia. Um, and while there, he married for a second time to a 16-year-old ballet student named Sophie. That's pretty fucked up. Uh, well, hold on, Art. Realism discourages marriage, okay? And this instance was done for legal reasons because Rael was being questioned by customs officials why he was traveling with Sophie across international borders. <laughs> so you see, it all makes sense. It's really gross. <laughs> Uh, Rael and Sophie divorced eventually, but they continued to be in a relationship. Mm. Um, so in November 2002, the Jardin des Prophètes was vandalized. Rael said the vandalism was a test of the so-called Abraham Project, a joint operation between the CIA, the United States Central Intelligence Agency, that is, and the French intelligence agencies to assassinate Rael using schizophrenics directed through mind control. Okay. So... That makes sense. That checks out. Checks out. Not much else you can say there. No further discussion needed. So in December of 2002, Brigitte Bosselier announced that CloneAid oh, yeah. had created the world's first successful human clone, a baby named Eve. Eve was never examined by scientists outside of CloneAid, oh yeah, and the claims made by Bosselier have never been validated by scientists. Because of the lack of hard scientific evidence, Many began to believe this whole clone thing was a GD hoax, Art. They said they made it up. I don't know what leads them to believe that. Well, in January 2003, in order to address the claims it was all a hoax, the Raelians explained that Eve's parents were in hiding to avoid media attention. So no wonder we've never heard from them. Yeah. They're in hiding. No, it totally makes total sense. Now, hoax or not, these claims of cloning got decent media coverage, and the Raelians claim... The attention was responsible for 5,000 new members joining the religion. Going forward, Bosselier announced periodically that more clone babies had been born in the Netherlands, Japan, South Korea, and Australia, although the press increasingly deemed these as hoaxes and kind of stopped going to the press conferences the Raelians held to announce these births. So in response to Rael's association with clone aid, oh yeah, South Korea immigration authorities denied Rael entry into their country in 2003. Raelians then protested near South Korea's Ministry of Health and Welfare. So uh, in January of 2003, big news on succession planning here, Art. Rael announced Brigitte Bosselier as his appointed successor. Wow. Now, Art, Brigitte Bosselier was so happy, she was beside herself. Uh-huh. By which I mean beside her clone. What? She was beside herself. She was so happy. She was beside her clone. She had her clone? No, I don't oh. know. <laughs> it's just a joke. Oh. So in October 2004, Rael appeared with a group of Raelian women in an issue of Playboy. And let me tell you, this was some issue. Here are the featured headlines from the cover of that issue. You're interviewed. Donald Trump, the ego, the women, the money, the hair. 
college girls nude, ACC co-eds go wild. Oh, baby. Plus, Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> Raelian women, John Dean, college fiction, the great caviar scandal, Amy Mann, video game preview, John Stewart. And just so everyone knows, the cover model was Everly Geary from the University of North Carolina. Go Heels. Go Heels. And hey, interesting fact, one of the Raelian nude models is Brigitte Boisselier's daughter. Okay. All right. In 2005, two amateur documentary makers, Abdullah Hashem and Joseph McGowan, attended and filmed a Raelian seminar in Las Vegas, claiming that they were making a student film. They then used the footage as the basis of a documentary, which they presented as an expose of the group. The Raelians filed a 2008 lawsuit claiming the filmmakers had gained entry through misrepresentation. A default judgment was made against Hashem in 2011, and he was ordered to return his footage to the international Raelian movement. According to Raelians, they didn't mind that Hashem and McGowan got the footage. They just didn't appreciate that the filmmakers used the footage to make funny vids and outrageous claims. Or were they trying to hide something? Mm-mm. All right. So that's a lot of history. Let's talk about what do Raelians believe, okay? Um, Raelians are more than just a backstory, right? This is a whole religion with a set of beliefs. Right. So the religion is based on, obviously, the teachings of Rael. Rael's claims are taken literally by pr- practitioners of Raelism who regard his writings as scripture. Raelism is clearly a brand of religion based around the ancient astronaut hypothesis. In this case, the ancient astronauts are the Elohim. Rael said that the word Elohim, which appears a lot in the Old Testament of the Bible, is actually a plural term, which Rael translates as meaning those who came from the sky. Uh, Normally, Elohim is translated as God, although... As far as I understand it, in Hebrew grammar, it could be both plural and singular, depending on the context. And so there are a number of points in the Bible where Elohim is actually meant to be used in the singular, and there are also times when it's meant to be used as a plural. Regardless, Rael says it's a plural word. The singular is aloha, as we already mentioned. So Rael has described the Elohim as physically smaller than humans, with pale green skin and almond-shaped eyes. Okay. There are seven different races of Elohim, but Raelians are forbidden from painting or sketching them. No matter how much the Elohim beg the Raelians to draw them, they're not allowed to. Rael alleged that there are 90,000 of these Elohim <laughs> on their planet and that they are all quasi-immortal, Okay. Uh, which I will explain in a bit. Okay. We're going to get to the immortality thing. Now, on their world, the Elohim do not wear clothes. Fuck yeah. But whatever you do, don't draw them nude. No matter how much they ask, don't draw them nude. They ask? Yeah, don't. they'll beg you. Don't do it, though. Okay. <laughs> so You're like not a- allowed. They, no matter how much the Elohim say, ooh, draw me, I'm naked. It's, it's like a monkey's ooh, paw. draw me. Don't do it. It's a trick. It's a trick? So... Rael said the Elohim are all permitted to engage in free love with each other and that sexual jealousy between them no longer exists. Okay. The Elohim are considered feminine. Rael has said, quote, the most feminine woman on earth is only 10% as feminine as the Elohim. Wow. End quote. Uh, Rael also said the Elohim have, quote, have 10% of masculinity and 90% of femininity. 
end quote. Uh, the Elohim are not allowed to procreate and or to have children, and many get a sterilization operation to ensure this. Hmm. Huh. Am I an Aloha? The Elohim are able to communicate with humans because you they- asked me to draw you nude. I do really. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Beg you. <laughs> the Elohim are able to communicate with humans because they conveniently have an understanding of all human languages. Nice. The Elohim planet is outside of our solar system here on Earth, but still within the Milky Way galaxy. Now, Raelism teaches that about 25,000 years ago, the Elohim came to Earth and transformed it so that life could develop. The Elohim used advanced technology to create all life on Earth. Uh, apparently, the Elohim tried to do genetic experiments on their planet first, but they made a mistake of some sort and were forced to take their Elohim egghead shit somewhere else. Oh. So okay. they brought their talents to Earth. Hmm. Rael characterizes humans as quote-unquote biological robots that have been created and programmed by the Elohim. Like our DNA is our programming, basically. Right, right. So Raelism teaches that humans are modeled physically on the Elohim, which is indicated by the biblical passage at Genesis 1.26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, also representing his own interpretation of Genesis, Rael teaches that the Elohim scientist responsible for creating humanity was named Yahweh, and that the first two humans to be created were named Adam and Eve. According to Rael, when the Elohim arrived, the earth was covered in only clouds and water. The Elohim used explosives to create huge holes in the earth, Whoa. which allowed for dry land to appear. Nice. Uh, I'm no egghead, but... This methodology checks out. <laughs> yeah. If you show up on a planet, just blow the fuck out of it right. and dry land will show up. Yeah. So Raelians believe that there were originally seven human races mirroring the seven Elohim races, but that the purple, blue, and green human races have died out, unfortunately. Um, I'll, I'll let you use your own racism to figure out what the other five are or the other, the remaining four are. Yeah. Uh, so Raelians reject Darwinian evolution in favor of creationism and intelligent design. Raelians refer to their beliefs as scientific creationism. Okay. So Raelians believe the Elohim were created by an earlier species and that that species was also created by an earlier species and that, and on and on and on and on for infinity. Uh, Raelians believe the cosmos expand indefinitely both in time and space and infinity itself is an important concept within the religion. But I'm like, yeah, okay, but who created the species that created the species that created the species, huh? Right. Huh? You're Think asking, about Andy, you're asking too big of questions. We're going to have to kick you out. <laughs> you're no longer a real angel. Oh, I'll put my clothes back on then. Raelians believe that accounts of gods in various mythologies around the world are misinterpretations of memories about the Elohim and that the scriptures of many religions are actually talking about what the Elohim did while they were on Earth. Very ancient astronauty here, yes. right? For example, the story of Adam and Eve getting kicked from the Garden of Eden is interpreted as representing humanity's transition from Elohim laboratories to life on Earth. The resurrection of Jesus is interpreted as representing the Elohim cloning Jesus to restore him to life after death. 
References to Satan are interpreted as references to the head of a group on the Elohim home planet who disagreed with genetic experiments on Earth and argued that humanity should be destroyed as a potential threat. The Great Flood of Noah is interpreted as an attempt by the anti-human Elohim to destroy humanity, but that humanity was rescued by an E.T. spacecraft, which Noah's Ark is a reference to. Makes sense? Okay. Raelians also believe that the Elohim continue to monitor every human individual on Earth remotely from their home planet. Jeez Louise. This is done, though, so that the Elohim can decide who is worthy of being offered the opportunity of eternal life through cloning. So think of the Elohim like interplanetary Santa Clauses, keeping track of all of us and determining who's been naughty and who's been nice. Will they, will they pull immortality out of their sack for you? Right. Or are you going to get a lump of oblivion coal? Yeah. I hope I make that fucking Great list. band, Oblivion Cole. <laughs> Raelians believe the Elohim continue to visit the Earth as evidenced by crop circles, which are viewed as the landing spots of Elohim spacecraft. Raelians also generally accept that sightings of US UFOs are evidence of the Elohim continuing to be on Earth. Raelians also consider the appearance of angel hair, which is a sticky spiderweb-like substance that's associated with um, UFOs, but also strangely with manifestations of the Virgin Mary. Um, and this stuff has multiple published explanations, meaning it's not just being caused by only one thing specifically, um, but it's sort of a mystery substance that has been found in places where people have said they've seen the Virgin Mary manifest herself or where UFOs have been spotted. This is a real thing. It's a real thing. This is an actual thing. And nobody knows what it is. I, I mean, they know what some of it is, but not everything has the same explanation. So not everything could be explained by the same thing. Jesus Christ. It's weird. That could be a topic in and of itself. It is very weird. Yeah, it is very weird. Wow. So, but they take angel hair as being evidence of the Elohim's presence, saying that the angel hair uh, has appeared at many of the Raelian summer um, gatherings that they have. So, and not pasta. No, it's not. This is not a pasta related thing. It's it does look like a spider web. Like think of it this way. This is the way I I see it in my mind is it looks like a spider web on a dewy morning. Have you ever seen like a spider web across like grass or several plant leaves? Right. And it gets like water on it. And so it kind of looks like fuzzy. Yeah. It's kind of like that to me. Okay. Um, But, you know, this stuff has showed up at these Raelian summer gatherings and it's supposedly angel here, though. Raelians also note that it could have been cum. They actually fucking say that? No, they don't say uh, that. I made that up. But it could have been cum. Uh, many important religious figures worldwide, including Jesus, the Buddha, Muhammad, and Joseph Smith, famous from Mormonism, were inspired by the Elohim, according to Raelians. Raelians believe that 39 prophets were sent to humanity at various times. Each is believed to have revealed information to humanity that they could comprehend at the given time. And Raelism, therefore, emphasizes the idea of progressive truth. Rael said he met all of these prophets when he visited the planet of the Eternals in 1975. Rael also said that these prophets are the result of a human mother breeding with an Eloha father, with the human mothers chosen by the Elohim for the purity of their genetic code, that is, closeness to the original humans created by the Elohim. These genetically pure women 
were then taken to an Elohim spaceship, impregnated, and returned to Earth with their memory of the event erased. I mean, this is like a Men in Black porn parody. Yeah. Um, so, Rael claims he is the 40th and final prophet of the Elohim, sent because humanity is now sufficiently developed to understand the truth being revealed by the Elohim. Rael has said before that he was chosen for this role because he had a Roman Catholic mother and a Jewish father uh, who was an Eloha or, or what. Uh, and so Rael was, quote, an ideal link between two very important peoples, an ideal link between two very important peoples in the history of the world. Wow. And quote, he also said he was selected because he lived in France, which the Elohim considered a more open-minded country than most others. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I guess since I'm American, I'm not open-minded enough for these fucking Elohim. Yeah, that's the number one reason. Good luck getting me to convert now, you little space freaks. Fuck. <laughs> the hits just keep coming for me. Yeah. Well, guess what, Elohim? I'm not allowed to go to Europe. <laughs> now, in his 1979 book, Let's Welcome Our Fathers from Space, Rael wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's welcome them. Rael wrote that he was the... Space daddies. <laughs> Space daddies. Uh, Rael wrote that he was the biological son of the Eloha he first who he first encountered, Yahweh. So I guess I withdraw my previous question about Rael's father. He's the son of God. He's the son of Yahweh. Wow. The Eloha. Rael noted that Yahweh was also the father of Jesus, making Rael the half-brother of Jesus. Wow. Which I guess, in terms of Christianity, would make Rael God's stepson? Well... Uh, well, uh, break this down. I guess he's Jesus's half brother, but if you accept the Trinity, then I guess he's also God's half. He's, he's God's half brother. He's half God. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So that's a little bit of theology here on Mr. Theology's theology time, theology hour in 2003, Rael publicly identified himself as Maitreya, the prophesied future, uh, Bodhisattva of Mahayana Buddhism. So this is like when Buddha comes back, basically. Mm. So he's identified himself as the reincarnated Buddha. He's Buddha too. He's Buddha too. Uh, the Buddha. -ing. Yeah. Rael says he continues to you be. Heard of the, it's the prequel, actually, is the Bud, Bud, the Budginning. <laughs> the Buddening. <laughs> it's a budding Buddha. <laughs> it's a budding Buddha. Uh, Rael says he continues to be in telepathic contact with the Elohim. Hearing Yahweh's voice guiding him in making decisions affecting Raelianism and his life in general. In that Vice documentary, he gets asked, who do you turn to outside of the movement if you need advice on something? Rael just points his fingers to the sky. Is he Elohim? Wow. Uh, Raelians believe that they are all- Get fucked, Vice. Get fucked, Vice. Easy good, answer, dummies. Good job trying to make a fucking documentary. Trying to, trying to gotcha this motherfucker? Not going to happen. Can't happen. Raelians believe that they are all capable of linking telepathically with the Elohim, but that only Rael is permitted to meet with them physically or receive their revelations. That makes sense. So, uh, Raelism, Raelism is a millenarian religion art, which does not refer to the millennium at all. That's a common misconception. Um, it's some other Latin root, but it's because it, it's, it's a different word. But 
The point is, it basically means that this group believes in some big event that fundamentally changes society. Millenarians generally believe that the current state of things is dog shit, and this fundamentally society-altering event will wash away the dog shit and usher in a new age of clean shoes where people actually clean up after their fucking dogs and don't leave dog turds all over the goddamn sidewalk. Is it so fucking hard? Fuck! <sighs> Think of religions like Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. That's a millenarian religion. Right. So, Rael claims that since the U.S. military's use of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima in Japan in 1945, humanity has been living in the quote-unquote age of apocalypse or quote-unquote revelation. The human species must now choose whether to use science and technology to enhance life or to use it to bring about nuclear destruction, which admittedly is a tough choice. And it depends on which day you ask me which one I would say. Yeah, did I step in dog shit today or didn't I? Yeah. Some days, nuclear annihilation sounding pretty good to me. Now, because humanity has entered the age of apocalypse, Raelians believe this is why the Elohim decided to send Rael. It's put up or shut up time for us, and Rael is here to show us the way. If humans successfully navigate the age of apocalypse, we can live in an era of advanced technology in which society will be tolerant and sexually liberated. Wow. So, we'll all get to fuck each other. Rael has said he is destined to help lead humanity away from the path of destruction. According to Rael, beginning an era of peace will cause the return of the Elohim to Earth, as well as the 39 important immortal prophets. They'll come back too. Rael has said humanity has to build an embassy for the Elohim prior to their arrival on Earth, and that it must have a landing pad for their spaceships. Where else would they put them? Duh. The embassy must be located on internationally recognized neutral territory... Uh, to avoid the appearance of favor for any one nation. I mean, I'm not sure how this is achievable, but okay, good luck. Antarctica. <laughs> checkmate. Checkmate. Atheists, we got you there. We're going to have a Raelian space, internationally recognized space on Antarctica. Yeah. So, for the, so far, the embassy has not been built. And according to the Elohim Embassy website, the target is to have it built by 2030. Okay? They just need to do a few things before they build it. They need to find a country to host it. They've already been turned down by a few governments. They need to find a suitable site that meets the specifications. And then they need to build the thing. Okay. So there's a few things, just not many things that have to it's happen. It's not really that much. Not that they complicated. Tons of time. Tons of time. They totally have a very strong strategy and plan to get there. I can tell. Right. This is going fine. They have three things listed on a piece of paper. Things are fine. Um, so once on earth, Rael says the Elohim will share their advanced technology and scientific understanding with humanity to bring about utopia. Rael teaches that the Elohim will usher in a new world government on earth, uh, what he calls a geniocracy or rule of geniuses, uh, in uh, which he writes about in his fifth book, geniocracy. Um, uh, and clearly geniocracy is a direct rebuttal to Mike Judge's idiocracy. Mm-hmm. Some real titans duking it out here. Yeah. So in geniocracy, get this, only those who are 50% more intelligent than the average person will be allowed to hold power. You and I will never be able to serve public elected office again. Fuck. Raelians reject democracy, believing that it fails. A little bit of context. They reject democracy ultimately, 
um, though they do support democracy in the sense of it being more freeing in a very like modern, we live in this world today sense, if that makes sense. Okay. But ultimately they don't support democracy because they don't believe that it ensures that society has the best leadership, which just feels wrong to me. That can't be right. Democracy always produces the optimal result, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. So I got to quibble with them on that one. Democracy always works out. Rayel claims that this future society will have no war and crime will have been ended through genetic engineering. I don't know exactly what that means, but okay. In this utopia, humanity will have access to space travel to colonize other planets. Nice. Robots will assume menial tasks for us, allowing humans to devote our time to pleasurable pursuits. Yeah, like the robot. Right. Like we can get a robot just to be our friend now. Mm-hmm. There would also be biological sex robots uh, to serve as sex slaves, similar to the robots Rael fucked on the Elohim homeworld. Now, Raelians also believe humanity will adopt one world currency, eventually abolishing money altogether, and will have a single world calendar. And I'm sure this gets many of these, like, uh, revelations Christians pretty wound up. Wait a minute, pulls mask off. Project Blue Beam. <laughs> it was you all along. Uh, another French guy. Yeah. A Quebecois. I would have gotten away with it too. I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling actual Frenchman. <laughs> it's the same shit, but they're like, no, that sounds dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, that sounds fucking awful. Instead of all these internment camps and stuff, this right. is about fucking each other. Sex camps. Yeah. So, Raelians do not believe humans have souls that survive physical death. They oh, don't believe shit. in the eternal, ethereal soul. Um, and instead, Raelians argue that the only hope for immortality, we've been teasing this a lot, is through scientific means. Mm -hmm. Raelians believe the Elohim will clone dead people, but only those who are worthy. So, what oh. happens, You will. we will enter a transhumanistic world where your consciousness will be downloaded when you die... Your body will be cloned. The growth will be accelerated. Your consciousness will be placed onto the clone. You will live forever. Like Alter Carbon, season one. <laughs> sure. Raelians essentially believe in a conditional immortality with immortality for a minority and oblivion for the majority. Most of us will get nothing. Uh, remember, Jesus made the cut. So you only need to be as good as Jesus to get immortality. There's your benchmark. Just be as good as Jesus. Okay. And don't ever slip up because they're watching you. Raelians, of course, support the development of human cloning technology on Earth as well as techniques to rapidly accelerate growth of clones to adulthood through a process like guided self-assembly of rapidly expanded cells or nanotechnology. In other words, techniques to increase the aging process because... Aging is sort of a complicated thing in our bodies. And so this would like, you would give instructions to the cells, probably genetically to like re reproduce faster, to knock out younger cells and uh, increase the aging and growth process of a human body. Or you could accomplish probably a similar thing with nanotechnology, which we've discussed in the gray goo, for example. We have, yes. Okay. At length. Raelians also believe dead people could be cloned so that they could be tried and punished for their crimes. Aww. <laughs> After the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks in the United States, uh, in which the hijackers died aboard the airplanes, uh, the Raelians proposed that the hijackers could be resurrected through cloning and be tried for their actions. 
which seems like a great idea. And honestly, I can't see any drawbacks to cloning history's greatest criminals to have them all stand trial for the crimes or to be held in eternal prison. Nope, definitely right. no chance that doesn't work out for the best. Right. Can't see anything wrong with that. Nope. Let's bring them back from the dead and put them all in the same jail. And then Batman can watch over them. Uh, now, as an interesting note, <laughs> because <laughs> Batman... Doesn't this sound like the plot of a Batman movie? It does, it does. Like, oh, we figured out a way. The Joker died 50 years ago, but we figured out a way in a, in a fire, an accidental fire. We figured out a way to clone him and bring him back so he could stand trial. Only comic book logic. They're like, eh, let's, let's put all these hyper dangerous supervillain criminals in the same place. Known for breaking out of prison. And what could go wrong? No, they committed crimes here in Arkham. They have to go to this asylum. I just wished in a city the size of Gotham we had more than one facility, but we don't. Now, as an interesting note, because immortality is such an important focus for Raelians, they really do not like suicide. After the Heaven's Gate, a topic we've covered on this podcast, mm -hmm. after the Heaven's Gate mass suicide in 1997, Raelians publicly condemned suicide. So you're seeing different shades here of UFO-based religions, right? Like they're not... It's not a one-size-fit-all. Right, right. So as you can imagine, Raelians are expected to follow a strict ethical code. Members are expected to take responsibility for their own actions, respect cultural and racial differences, promote nonviolence, strive for world peace, and share wealth and resources. Mm -hmm. Rael has said love and nonviolence are keys to being Raelian. The Raelian opinion is that everything should be permitted as long as it doesn't hurt anyone and doesn't slow scientific and technological advancements. So while they don't have to listen to this, Raelians are advised against using recreational drugs or stimulants to avoid harm to their health. Although some practitioners have acknowledged that they use alcohol or they smoke cigarettes. Um, but don't worry, beefers. These aberrant members will be cloned and their clones will be executed for their crimes. <laughs> it does seem weird to me, though, that a group so focused on cloning would care about health so much, right? Like maybe it's until cloning is really good. Till the technology is really good. Yeah. And then who cares? Like, if you burn through your current body, just get a new one, baby. Just get a new one. Woo! Throw my old body in the trash and get me a new one. Woo! Now, Rael considers gender an artificial- That's Andy. He's on, like, his 16th body already. <laughs> How old is he? He's eight. <laughs> He's going through two a year. Yeah. Hey, I'm a precocious little scamp, huh? <laughs> Are you eating cigars? Yes. <laughs> now, Rael considers gender an artificial construct yeah. and emphasizes the fluidity of gender. Rael is often described by followers as being gentle and feminine, just like an aloha. Right. Uh, generally believing the human body is something malleable, something mm. you can change. Um, Raelians think plastic surgery to improve your appearance is a-okay. Okay. There's no no prohibitions there. Right. Might as well make yourself look good. Raelism also teaches that the Elohim created humanity to feel sexual desire as a cure for violent impulses. So we're supposed to have sex to avoid being violent with each other. So I'm either going to fuck you or I'm going to punch you. Your choice, Art. Now, through the pursuit of sexual pleasure... New pathways between the neurons in the brain are forged, improving intelligence. That's what Raelians believe. Raelism encourages its members to explore their sexuality. Uh, and while Rael is often, very, very often photographed with beautiful women, 
beautiful young women, uh, beautiful young Japanese women, uh, and appears to be and married a sixteen year old, right? And married a sixteen year old ballet dancer, right? I mean, it's not like he has a type for like very thin young women or anything, right? Um, uh, and he's often photographed with them, and they're often not wearing tops. <laughs> uh, just because of that, um, you know, he does encourage homosexual experimentation. Sure. Uh, Realism teaches that differences in sexual orientation are rooted in the Elohim's genetic programming for humanity and are something we should celebrate. Raelians stress the need for respect and mutual consent in sexual behavior, though. Um, They place a strong taboo on a few things, sexual, incest, Mm -hmm. rape, Mm -hmm. and sexual activities involving children. Okay, well, Uh, uh, I mean... Hard to argue with any of those things. Well, the leader doesn't follow a couple of those. Well, okay, but, I mean, they weren't his family members. Sure. And, you know... <laughs> that's all we can say. That's all we can say. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Now, anyone who's not Rael, who's Art, involved... quit bringing these things up. I don't want my clone to be put on trial. I'm trying... The Elohim are watching me, Art. So oh, they're always watching me. Anyone, who, anyone in the movement who's involved in what these things... What are you things, doing, Step Elohim? Step Aloha, what are you doing here? What are you doing, Step Clone? <laughs> All right, so they have they have prohibitions on incest, rape, and pedophilia. Okay, yes. And if anybody in the movement who's not Rael is caught doing any of these <laughs> things, um, they will be excommunicated from the movement for seven years, uh, which that's a very specific time. And the reason that it's seven years is that's the amount of time Raelians believe it takes for all of a person's biological cells to be regenerated. Oh, I've heard that before. So, Rael has, um, but that's not all. Rael, <laughs> funny enough, since you keep bringing this up, Rael has actually recommended that pedophiles be castrated or placed in mental institutions. Huh. Okay. He's not castrated or in a mental institution, by the way. Alrighty. So, Raelians do not believe in, inf- in enforced monogamy or marriage. Uh, they think that monogamy and marriage are institutions used to enslave women and suppress sexual expression. Okay. People are free to choose a monogamous relationship if they want to, but they don't think that should be something that's placed upon them uh, as an expectation. So, as um, and as mentioned previously, realism does it, it discourage marriage for its members. Uh, members are encouraged to not have more than two children and ideally not have any at all. Um, they're asks basically not to contribute to overpopulation, uh, as well as uh, endorsing the use of birth control and contraceptives, Raelians endorse the use of abortion to terminate unwanted pregnancies. Rael has said if a woman doesn't want a child after it's born, she should give it up to be raised by society. Uh, Raelians believe that once human cloning is developed, biological reproduction will be obsolete. No reason for it. There'll only be clones. Yeah. So... Raelism involves a series. Uh, let's talk about what Raelians do. Like, what are the practices of Raelism? Raelism involves a series of monthly meetings, uh, initiations, and meditation rituals. Where possible, Raelians get together with other Raelians on the third Sunday of the month. Interestingly, the group's policy is that these meetings happen in rented rooms rather than property that the Raelian movement itself has purchased. So they're going like to the Holiday Inn. I'm guessing that there's it's to clean. They don't want to clean up the cum in their own, you know, like meeting room. Oh, okay. That's my guess. Yeah, it's the cum. Yeah, the angel hair. Right, right. the angel hair everywhere. Uh-huh. Jeez, there's not so much angel hair. 
Must have been the UFOs. <laughs> oh, the Aloha must be near. Oh. Oh, Aloha. Uh, oh, angel hair. Shooting my strands of angel hair. Um, Raelian members pay an annual membership fee to the movement. Full members of the movement are encouraged, but not required, to tithe 10% of their income to the organization. The tithe is then divided up. 3% goes to the national branch for wherever country they uh, are in. 7% goes to the international movement's central administration. So most of your tithe goes to Mm -hmm. the international movement. And an additional 1% of your tithe might go to Rael himself personally. Makes sense. So the Raelian church holds week-long summer seminars called Stages of Awakening. This is where the angel hair has often been found is at the stages of awakening. I'm sure. <laughs> Plenty of angel hair floating around at yeah. the stages of awakening. Uh, Raelians use these seminars as an opportunity to bond with other Raelians. They form friendships or sexual relationships with other members. Um, attendees wear white togas. They also have name tags, so you know who everyone is. Uh, and they use colored bracelets to indicate sexual orientation and whether they want to be alone, be in a couple, have multiple partners, or just meet people. So it's like, yo, you have, um, you have like a white bracelet. That means you, you don't want to, you don't, you're not interested in a sexual relationship. Yeah. You have a red bracelet and that means, or you have a purple bracelet. I think is that, that means that you're homosexual, mm-hmm. uh, and a red bracelet means that you're interested in multiple partners. Cool. It's stuff like that. Yeah. So then everyone knows, you know, they look at your wrist and it's like, oh, they immediately know what you're in for. How many multiple partners? So uh, stages of awakening involve daily lectures by Rael, sensual meditation, periods of fasting and feasting, and testimonials and some alternative therapies. And if you're wondering about sensual meditation, I know you are, a major practice in Raelism is sensual meditation, which is something um, that Rael outlined. He learned this on the Elohim homeworld, and he outlined the practice in his 1980 book, La Meditation Sensuelle. Hmm which means sensual meditation. Raelians are encouraged to take part in this guided meditation or visualization on a daily basis with the intent of transmitting love and telepathic links to the Elohim and achieving harmony with infinity. Wow. So when practicing at home, members might be guided through a session by recorded instructions, um, but in-person sessions um, can take place communally at the monthly meetings um, where members will be guided through sensual meditation by a Raelian guide. Sensual meditation begins with a relaxation exercise known as harmonization. Harmonization avec l'infini. Harmonization with the infinite. One stage of this process is oxygenation, which is deep breathing. Okay. <laughs> uh, practitioners are taught to relax and then envision themselves expanding their frame of reference until the self becomes only a tiny speck within the universe. They are then tasked with visualizing the bones and organs of the body and ultimately the atoms within the body itself. The guided meditation encourages the meditators to think of themselves being on the Elohim homeworld, communicating telepathically with the Elohim. Mm -hmm. The goal of sensual meditation is to achieve a quote-unquote cosmic orgasm, which is characterized as the ultimate experience a person can have. And here I thought it was, when you open the top of the cosmic brownies box and you stick your ding dong in there. <laughs> so one Raelian described the cosmic orgasm as quote, the sensual experience of the unity between the self and the universe. 
end quote. Hmm. Following the Stages of Awakening seminar, a second seminar, which is restricted to just members of the structure, uh, takes place. And I'm going to talk more about the structure in a little bit. So the main ritual in Raelism is the transmission of the cellular plan, which is a ritual where a Raelian guide places their hand on another individual's head, on the forehead, applied directly to the forehead, through which the guide is believed to receive the individual's cellular code, which they can then telepathically send to the Elohim. Okay. By doing this, this denotes the initiate, the person joining the Raelian movement, their formal recognition of the Elohim as the creators of humanity. This is used as part of the baptism uh, or initiation ceremony for new members. Uh, and those in the movements who hold the rank of bishop and priest are permitted to conduct these initiation ceremonies in addition to the guides. And in some instances, when everybody's there, they do this thing where Rael touches the head of a bishop who touches the head of a priest who touches the head of the person joining. Uh, and that that makes sure definitely you're cellular plan gets transmitted wow there's, there's no chance the elohim don't get it yeah so it's like fucking express right this is like straight from your body to the elohim through yeah. rael so these transmissions i don't know why rael doesn't just put his hand on the people individually but whatever these transmissions are permitted to take place on one of four days only in the year which are important days in the realian calendar now that i've mentioned the realian count calendar you're no doubt wondering about that Raelian calendar aren't you i know you are art my interest is peaked you love is. calendars i do so the Raelian calendar begins with the nuclear bombing of hiroshima on august 6th 1945 okay what a bummer happy new year <laughs> each year after this date is referred to as ah or a prey hiroshima after hiroshima the Raelians celebrate four religious festivals each year. These are the four. Uh, their first Sunday in April, which is the date on which Raelians believe the Elohim created the first humans. There's August 6th, which marks the day of the nuclear bombing of Hiroshima. October 7th, which is the day in which Rael claims that he encountered the Elohim for the second time in 1974. And December 13th, which is the day that Rael allegedly first encountered the Elohim in 1973. Okay. Those are the four days. Now, if you're becoming a member of the Order of Rael's Angels, there are some things you have to do for that too. Um, the initiation for that includes declaring an oath uh, or making a contract where the initiate agrees to become defender of the Raelian ideology and of Rael himself. Wow. So you're basically agreeing to take a bullet for Rael. Holy shit. Now, um, let's talk about the hierarchy of the church. Uh, there are two levels of membership in the movement. The majority of members are referred to simply as Raelians, while those who are in the higher levels controlling the movement are referred to as the structure, that thing we mentioned before. The structure is a six-tiered system. Rael is at the top of the Raelian church, being referred to as the guide of guides. Uh, senior members of the structure re-elect him to that position every seven years in what I'm sure are hotly contested elections. I'm sure he's always a running opposed right, and right. it's probably a struggle. Right. So beneath Rael are the bishop guides. Below the bishop guides are the priest guides. 
Below the priest guides are the animators. Below the animators are the assistant animators. And below the assistant animators are the probationers. Guides are expected to be examples for the rest of the movement by strictly avoiding alcohol, caffeine, and recreational drugs. Oh, okay. So no more making a cup of 1980s coffee with cocaine in it, Art. (laughs) Yeah, like I do. And whiskey, a shot of whiskey. Three Raelian bishops are on what is called the Council of the Wise, which sounds very Lord of the Rings, which monitors... There you go again, saying it like that. Lord of the Rings, which uh, the, the Council of the Wise monitors heresy and arranges punishment for transgressors. Whoa! Okay. Now, when they want to punish an individual, it's usually for... Excommunication. They usually do excommunication. Yeah. Which is the seven-year ban, like we talked about before, so it's time for all your cells to regenerate. Now, in more severe cases, the council can oversee what they call a demarking, uh, which is where they cancel the transmission of the cellular code, uh, which they believe will end any hope the person had of immortality through cloning. That cuts them off from that possibility. Members of the Raelian structure begin as level zero trainees uh, during the stages of awakening, and then they progress from there. The Order of Rael's Angels also has a six-tiered structure. Rael divided the angels into three groups, the white, the pink, and the golden ribbon angels. Whoa, gold ribbon angels. So white white angels wear white feathers on a necklace. Uh, They can choose to have human lovers and are tasked with Basically getting more women in the Raelian movement. Like that's their job. Okay. Uh, pink angels wear pink feathers on their necklaces and are considered by Rael to be the so-called chosen ones who will be the consorts of the Elohim when they arrive. So they're the ones that are going to fuck the Elohim. Cool. The gold ribbon angels wear a gold cord around their neck. Um, they are hand-selected by Rael for their physical beauty and are described as being the first, as resembling the first humans uh, or being the first humans who will approach the Elohim on their arrival to earth. So these are going to be the first people that the Elohim see. Wow. So gold ribbon angels um, have at points been demoted from their status because they've gotten old and therefore not attractive anymore. Because everyone knows that older people are just ugly as shit. Yeah, they're fucking gross. So if there are any old people listening, just know that you're ugly. Um, And so gold ribbon angels have gotten demoted from this status. uh, And it's been explained that as their physical beauty deteriorates, um, they're no longer suitable for greeting the Elohim. Like the the Elohim will be disgusted by these ugly ass women who show up because they're 35 years old. So... These demoted, I don't know what the age cutoff is. <laughs> so these demoted uh, golden ribbon angels uh, then have to train their replacements, basically. So they make them train younger, better looking women nice. to take their place. So pink and gold ribbon angels are expected to not have sex with most other humans, um, but they will receive instruction in alien sex from Rael himself. Mm-hmm. He will teach them how to make love to the Elohim. Yep. Uh, and they're also allowed to engage in sex acts by themselves or with other angels. So angels of any color ribbon can lose their status as angels if they're found to have acted against the angel lifestyle. This is very much like hell's angels. Yeah. Like if you go against (laughs) the angels, you're out of the club. (laughs) 
I think the Hell's Angels runs very, very similar. Very similar, yeah. yeah. Right. You hit a certain age and you're like, hey, brother, listen, you're, you're not, not hot enough to not. deliver meth on a bike anymore. All right. You're 40 years old. Your your days are behind you. Your hair's thinning out. You're just not really the kind of cute ass fucking, you know, cute twink little fucking bikers that we want to see delivering <laughs> meth and shooting uh, people. You ugly fuck. You ugly fuck. Okay. That's not what our motorcycle club is about. <laughs> so, so rails angels. So give me that pink feather. Yeah. <laughs> same, take same, that, take same that pink, classification system. Take that pink feather patch off your leather jacket. You're not just going to be a standard hell. You're just going to be a standard hell person. You're just going to be hell. Just a regular hell. Just a regular hell. You're not an angel anymore. So, um, the Rael's angels, of course, they are asked to regularly pray to the Elohim or mm. like meditate is probably mm. a better way to say it to the Elohim. Uh, and, and so angels are also encouraged to limit meat consumption unless they're consuming that sloppy wet Elohim meat. A thank you. And to avoid carbs and sugar. So they keep looking sexy and not like fat sacks of crap. Right. Um, but if they do get fat, um, they have to send rail pictures of themselves regularly. So mm. if they're too heavy, he can give them a device on how to lose weight. Like having them fast. So let's talk about what the church does. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about what Raelians do as an organization. What do, they do? What do they do? The Raelians are known for their social and political activism. Yeah. Specifically in the areas of women's rights, gay rights, opposition to racism, banning nuclear testing, uh, and promotion of genetically modified foods. Mm. Remember, genetic modification... There's no problems in realism with that. Throughout the history of realism, members of the church have publicly advocated uh, for masturbation, condoms, and birth control. As an example, in 1992, Raelians began protests against the Montreal Catholic School Commission's decision to not install condom machines in the bathrooms of Roman Catholic high schools in Quebec. So what Raelians did in protest of this decision is they parked a quote-unquote condom mobile outside of Catholic high schools in Quebec and Ontario uh, where they handed out condoms. Hmm. Now, I had trouble finding a picture of the condom mobile, so it's not clear to me if it was just like the Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile, but a big old hog wrapped in a condom. But that's how I'm imagining it regardless. Right. Uh, just a big dick mobile with a condom on it. Yeah. So, a repurposed Oscar Mayer wiener mobile. Right, yeah. exactly. They've like shaped the end of the wiener to look like the head of a penis. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't the last time Raelians went after the Roman Catholic Church. No, no, no. In 2000, Raelians launched No Pedo, a group to combat pedophilia. And not just in the Catholic Church, but bear with me here. In 2001, uh, No Pedo publicly distributed uh, pamphlets in Italy and Switzerland to protest the existence of over a hundred child molesters in the Catholic clergy in France. Uh, Geneva's, Geneva's Episcopal vicar sued the Raelian church for libel, but the judge dismissed the charges as the Raelian accusation was deemed to only target convicted priests and not the Roman Catholic church as a whole. In 2002, Raelians held an anti-priest parade in Montreal where they gave high school students Christian crosses and invited the students to both burn them 
and signed letters of apostasy to the Roman Catholic Church. Jeez. The Quebec Association of Bishops called this, quote-unquote, incitement to hatred, and some school boards attempted to prevent the students from meeting with Raelians. In 2009, the Raelians launched their Adopt a Clitoris project oh. to raise money to create, hold on, to raise money to create a hospital in Africa to reverse damage caused by female genital mutilation. Right. GM. Raelians also established Clitoraid, an organization whose mission is to oppose female genital mutilation. <laughs> and kind of a funny story here, but I actually got sued by the International Raelian Movement in 2012 after I released my line of sports drinks, also called Clitorade. <laughs> I mean, it's such a shame, too. All of these flavors had something to do with the female anatomy. There uh, was Lemon Labia Rush, Cool Clit Blast, Refreshing Ovary Orange, uh, Piss Flavor, <laughs> and Very Vanilla Vagina. But it's such a shame I didn't get to even really get this off the ground. Yeah, got especially sued. Piss. Yeah. Piss flavor. We all know exact. We all picture the exact. I know exactly what that looks like. Piss. That flavor. Yeah. It was a good one. Gatorade, lemon, lime. Lots, of, lots of electrolytes in there. Uh huh. I'm sure. So, um, actually, uh, this they did eventually open a hospital, uh, for. Female genital mutilation surgeries. Right. Um, which, if you're not familiar with how female genital mutilation works, it essentially is like the outs, the exterior part of the clitoris that gets cut off. Okay. But a, a, a majority of the clitoris is typically inside the body. So the surgery is basically like they'll pull more of it out to the exterior to like replace the tissue that was cut off. Okay. But it's all the same, you know, nerves and stuff. But they, they had a hospital, the Raelians did in Burkina Faso, where they were doing these surgeries for free for women who had been um, affected by FGM. And they actually got shut down by the like National Health Service in Burkina Faso for just just because, I guess. Because they were like, fuck that. They, they were actual doctors and stuff. It's not like right. these were just Raelians performing. I mean, they were Raelians, but they were actual surgeons performing the surgeries. It was right. free of charge and stuff. Free of charge. Then they got shut down by the government. Hmm. Um, so, anyway, several Raelian groups uh, organize an annual Go Topless Day to show support for changing laws to allow women to be able to go topless just like men do. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can even watch you videos on YouTube of Rael taking off his shirt and playing with his tits. If you want to see that, check it out. And you watch that for research. For research. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had kind of a religious experience with this because oh, really? I watched that video and all of a sudden there was angel hair all over my computer. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to this realism. Yeah, there's something there onto something. This angel hair stuff shows up a lot. The yellow him were with me. <laughs> so now I know that realism seems like a it's a pretty straight down the fairway religion. Pretty typical, traditional. So you might be surprised to learn the church has generated some controversy over the years, Art. Get out of fucking town. For starters, a lot of academic egghead types, even those who study religions, kind of think realism is sort of a joke. Like okay, they, come on. Like they don't take it seriously as a religion. It's not uncommon for people outside the Raelian movement to think Rael is a kook or a grifter. Mm-hmm. The church has been accused of doing splashy activism to generate publicity for the group and... Egghead studying the group have noted how Raelians have a 
close relationship with the news media. But even some former Raelians have come forward to speak out about the movement. They have made claims such as the money donated by Raelians to the church mainly goes to support Rael's lavish lifestyle and those of higher ups in the movement. Uh, that Rael is more concerned with being famous than anything else. For example, following the Raelians announcement of Eve's birth, a man from Amber named Roland claiming to be one of Rael's childhood friends from Amber. This is this, the town in France where Rael grew up with his grandmother and his aunt. Um, Roland was interviewed by local media. Roland said he continued to maintain contact with Rael. And at one point, the two friends were chatting and Roland says Rael told him that he made up the whole story about being contacted by the Elohim so he could get fame and status. Rael later sued Roland over the interview and won. Holy shit. So make of that what you will. Now, being interviewed for the uh, Vice documentary, The Prophet and the Space Aliens, Rael's former friend and racing enthusiast, Bernard Murat, said that after the oil crisis in 1973 shut down racing in France, he, Rael, and others in their friend circle suddenly had to find a new way to make a living. Murat said he had dinner with Rael and some other friends one night when the conversation turned to extraterrestrial visitations. Apparently, there had been a recent flood of local news stories about UFO sightings. Rael said he was eager to meet ETs if they ever did visit Earth and asked Murat what he thought, where he thought they might land. Murat said he felt like he thought of the perfect spot for ETs to land right between Puy de, de la Vache and Puy de la Sola because of the isolated location. Wow. Now, for what it's worth, in the documentary, Murat said that he could say Rael made the whole thing up, but that he has no proof that's true. Murat said similarly, Rael has no proof he didn't make the whole thing up. So, um, some other claims from former members uh, that Rael started Raelism in order to have sex with more women. Okay. Um, or that Rael basically plagiarized much of the foundational texts of Raelism from the work of the aforementioned Jean Sendy. In 1968, Sendy published a book called La Lune Clé de la Bible. I don't know how you say Bible in France, um, but it means the moon key of the Bible or key to the Bible in the book. Cindy takes issue with the translation of the word Elohim, uh, which again appears in the Bible quite a bit. And it's often translated just as singular God. Uh, Cindy said Elohim should be translated as gods because Elohim is the plural of the singular Eloha. Cindy also said that the biblical Elohim were actually ancient astronauts and that the book of Genesis is a historical account of the Elohim colonizing earth. Where have we heard that before? So in 1969, Cindy published Those Gods Who Made Heaven and Earth, where he wrote that 23 and a half thousand years ago, ancient astronauts came to Earth to seed the human race. Nice. Now, sounds a little bit like Raelism to me. Yeah. Um, so other other former members say that Rael stole the ideas for other parts of Raelism from other sources. Patrick Darnay and his wife were some of the first members of Madek. Um Apparently, they had membership cards number two and three. So speaking again for the prophet in the Space Aliens documentary, Patrick said that Rael got the idea for his second book, Space Aliens Took Me to Their Planet, from a comic book called God's Club. He read at the Darnay home where a banquet with all the prophets was featured. Wow. Darnay said that Rael wanted to be famous more than anything, and when his singing career failed to deliver fame and his racing magazine was shuttered, Rael looked for a new way to gain status and have lots of sex. So, some have also accused Rael of leading a cult. 
In fact, in France, where the religion originated, the government's Parliamentary Commission on Cults refers to Raelism as a sect, which is a French term that has connotations similar to what we would say cult in English. And Raelism was also labeled a sect in Belgium. Cult-esque. Cult-esque. Not everybody agrees with that, though, for what it's worth, but they have received that labeling from those governments. Some of the Raelian symbolism has also caused some people to go, uh... Excuse me, but what? <laughs> the symbol initially used to signify realism was a six-pointed star with a swastika in the middle. So it's kind of like a star of David with a swastika in the middle. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Uh, so Rael stated uh, that this was the symbol he originally saw on the Elohim spaceship during his initial encounter. So he saw this symbol on the Elohim spaceship. And Raelians regard this symbol as representative of infinity. Practitioners also think that this symbol helps facilitate their own telepathic contact with the Elohim. And a lot of Raelians wear a medallion with the six-pointed star with the swastika in the middle around their necks. Good luck. Now, because of the controversy, in 1992, the Raelian movement changed their symbol. They replaced the swastika with a swirling shape in the middle of the six-pointed star. Now, they said that the this was due to a request from the Elohim to change the symbol in order to help negotiations with Israel for building the Elohim embassy, um, even though even after they did this, Israel kept denying their request to build the embassy there. So, Rael has also said that the change to the swirl was made to show respect to the victims of the Holocaust. Um, so, the swirling shape is explained as being a depiction of a galaxy swirling galaxy okay so even with the change the swastika often gets added up with Rael's belief in geniocracy remember that's a government in which only the smartest can participate as well as their pursuit of human cloning technology they're practically advocating for designer babies all of this has made people compare them to the nazis yeah which is not exactly the comparison you want people to be making no well i guess most of us don't want that some people probably do I mean, that's a whole right. other story. But, I mean, holy cow, Art, or should I say, holy E.T. I hope you've enjoyed this journey into realism. Wow. And I hope you'll keep watching the stars. For it is truly from the stars where our deliverance will come. Descending upon us in their chariots, the twin clones of the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world. 
all through the artist's storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Elohim, hey! Welcome back. That was my research into realism. Uh, oh boy, art. You got to be feeling pretty stuffed after that one. That was a big one. Yeah, that was a lot. You ever do? <laughs> you ever? You ever drop a topic so big it? Uh, Clears your sinuses. You got, you got to take your fucking shirt off while you're dropping it. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> you ever drop a topic so big it Plenty. clears your science sinuses? Yes. This is one of those. It is, man. So, obviously, there's a lot to chew on here. Oh my god, there's so much to chew on. Is there anything that's piquing your interest right away you want to talk about? Uh, I wrote down. You know, again, I think the cloning thing is sort of their big. That was kind of one of their big claims to fame. It kind of yeah. like put them on the map. Yeah. When, you know, I mean, these motherfuckers, they testified from the U.S. You know, government. Yeah. Congressional cloning, panel. Right. Yeah. About asking for more cloning. And like that kind of puts your obscure little UFO religion on the map. Right. You know, um, and that was even before they had announced the birth of Eve. So what is your take on cloning? Should we clone? You think cloning is a good use of scientific funding and research? It's such a tough question. It's a tough question. Is it? I think that the answer is... Who gives a fuck, dude? Like, I kind of lean that way. (laughs) It's like, we've already fucked so much of society and life up. It's like, yeah, we might as well fucking add clones to the mix. You know, something that gets me... Something that gets me about cloning is like, what are the unintended ethical repercussions of cloning? Yeah. Because, like, the thing with cloning is... You know, I feel like there's this misconception in media that's that gets its way into popular consciousness. It's going to be a carbon copy of you. Right, that it's, it's not. you, but it's not. It's, it's just a thing that looks like you, but it'll have a totally different experience. Right. And, and, and feelings and consciousness and everything. The thing I appreciate that Raelians address is that clones are infants when they're born. Like, they're newborns. Right. You don't, it's not like, there's not like a machine that spits out an adult version of you at whatever age you get cloned. So like if you're 71 years old, and you're going to die for your clone. You get a baby. Right. So like, and if you teach this clone, everything about you until if there ever is such technology that could download your consciousness and implant it into another brain, like you just have to like raise your clone and teach it everything that you do. Wow. 
And then that's how it becomes you. And even then it won't become you because you're shaped by your experiences, which you can't recreate just by yourself. Like you're the sum total of everything that's ever happened to you. So you telling your clone about stuff, like it may not react the same way that you reacted to actually having those experiences. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, cloning organs seems like a good idea. Does seem like a good idea. Obviously, organs are on short supply. Although you do have to wonder, like, what do we do with all the organs? Like, what if they clone all my organs and I have, like, just a store of organs? Where are you going to keep them? What if I don't use them? What do you do with them? Can you give them to somebody else? Oh, yeah. I assume you could, right? I don't know. Administrative stuff to figure out with cloning. Would you get yourself- Of course, that's what you worry about. I'm worried about the red tape. Art, would you get yourself cloned if you could? Um, Or what circumstances would make you clone yourself? I think the organ idea, I think it's a good, I think it's a good use of, it seems on paper, a good use of scientific research. You know, they're cloning. Let's say you were in a horrible car crash. Right. And your like body is crushed. Yeah. I mean, but you still have consciousness. And, and that's, that's a probability because as Andy, as you know, you know, late at night or even, you know, sometimes on the weekends during the day, I, I get into my high powered go-kart. And I do um, street drifting with a group of uh, a community of people that I've started meeting. And it gets pretty intense. Uh, there's a lot of jockeying for position. And occasionally, you know, I'm not above it, but I've done some kind of dirty, dirty work to try and get ahead. I've thrown banana peels behind my cart. I've taken, um, you know, I've murdered a lot of turtles. And I will frequently throw shells because the shells are hard and they can knock the other go-karters but we're strapped in, so they actually don't fall out. They just kind of bounce right around, and um, I mean, it's intense. There's 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 gold involved. There's there's gold coins. There's um, a giant man sized bullet. Yeah, this this cart gang, and I'm worried about you. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a li- I live on the I live on the I live on the I live on the. I know you. Know. I know you have affinity with the leader of this gang because he's Italian, but you got to watch out because. <laughs> This you could get seriously messed up from this. It's dangerous. Yeah, I mean, even um, a whole manner of different people. Royal, there's people from the royal family that are involved in this. I know. There's blue collar, you know, plumbers. There's there's a, you know, there's a guy who I think he has some kind of office job. He wears a tie with his initials on it. Yeah, he's involved in it. So you have people of all different walks of life. Yeah, you've got. Uh, there's that one guy. Who has some sort of a disease where his head is a fungus? Oh, I didn't bring up how. Yeah, we're all we all do drugs, right? We take a lot of mushrooms, right? Yeah, you're all doing drugs. It's fucked up, dude. And so what you're saying is, yes, I could get into a horrible accident one day, right? And would, if you were if you were in that situation, would you say clone me? No, because there's no reason to get cloned without the consciousness download. I agree with you. You don't actually have any immortality. I'm just creating another person who has to unfortunately look like me. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel too. Until you get consciousness, like I don't see the point of cloning yourself. Yeah. He's going to be like a totally different dude. Yeah. I'm going to be way too jealous of him because he'll get a do-over on all the mistakes I made. Well, he won't even know about him. You'll be dead. Yeah. No, I think for organ harvesting, it makes sense to start trying to clone genetically modified organs in a lab or whatever. Um... 
on paper, I, you know, I don't know a lot about that world. There could be a lot of, I don't know. I'm sure there's negatives. There's fucking, there's a, there's a flip side to every thing in the world now. Um, but on paper, it makes sense, right? People need organs. It's, you know. Yeah. It's something that we need. We shouldn't be harvesting them from people. It's better than waiting for the chance that someone with your blood type, someone right. with a suitable organ dies. Right. That you would get it. Like, if you can just clone your organ, they can accelerate the growth and you can get in the time that you need, then that's better for everybody. Exactly. Um, What are your thoughts on genetic engineering like things like designer babies that's a tough one i think ultimately i think the pros outweigh the cons right if you could why would you why would you not genetically engineer the that fact so your child isn't born with a cleft lip why would you not get rid of these things why would you not you know these are you know hardships that you don't need to face if you can genetically engineer and remove some of those predisposed predisposed diseases that you might be born with just because you're born. Yeah. You know, some of these things are really nasty too. genetic diseases. Um, like you said, you know, if, if you are getting to like Gattaca levels where it's like, well, I want them to have blue eyes and blonde hair and a strong jaw. It's like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, let's, we need to maybe have a threshold where it's like, let's get like, start with diseases, like horrible diseases that can like, you know, really ruin a, child's life and experience and stuff and cause them to, you know, perish early or whatever. Like if not some, have a fulfilled life. Like if a kid has like a genetic marker for brain cancer, like sure. Like change that. Sure. I don't know about the whole designer thing though, where it's like, well, I want them to be a basketball player, so I'm gonna make them tall. It's like it seems kind of fucked up. I don't know why either. What's the argument against that? Why not? <laughs> I I I I I don't know. I don't know. It just other Why than, am I saying that why is the lottery better than why is chance and genetic lottery better than designing people the uh, a certain way? I don't know. I I I I tend to agree with you on all of the things that you said. Like I feel the same way. And I don't I feel like I shouldn't feel that way that it should be like oh anybody can have a baby that looks like however they want. What do I care? Yeah. Like if if two I don't know two like i don't know two t- tiny short people say we want a really tall baby right like and they like oh make it the tallest baby that's ever existed like i mean it's whatever an eight foot tall baby what i mean i don't care like i guess at the end yeah. of the day it's their thing to deal with but it just feels feels dishonest i guess so i mean i'm not i'm not about people look i have shitty genes oh you have awful genes have terrible genes and you know, whatever it is, what it is. I'm, I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. I have poor health. Mm-hmm. Um, I smell weird and yep. it's, there's nothing I can do about it. It's mm-hmm. just my biochemistry. Sure. Nothing to do with the fact that you eat onions and garlic exclusively. Uh, well, I do occasionally put like hot sauce on them. Garlicky hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. But the, <laughs> the thing is, I don't know. It's just like, if I could change like the things that I think I would want to change about myself are all like health related. It's nothing to do with my appearance, but I guess some people are like, Oh, I'm in fine health. The only thing I want to change is like, I want to make my baby look good. Then it's like, what's your argument against plastic surgery? You know, like is true. That bad, right. I mean, it's like, I guess if you want to feel more confident and look a certain way, you know, I think in America, at least from what I've understood, you know, it's like, we kind of, 
Well, I think one, our plastic surgery is not as good as other countries. Like um, South Korea is like kind of leading the market. Um, I think also Turkey has a very big uh, uh, plastic surgery. You like like they have packages designed for foreigners to come. Like they, you book you, you pay for the flight, you pay for everything. They put you in like a very specific hotel. They help you with a translator, like whole entire packages for mm-hmm. men to go get um, hair follicle transfers. They do a ton of that. If you want to get different rhinoplasties, chin implants, whatever you want, entire packages, very affordable, like five thousand dollars, and yeah. you could have your whole appearance changed, yeah, or whatever you want to have changed, right? And it's it's a lot more. I think I don't know if it's accepted as much, but it's just sort of like the norm. It's like yeah, people do that, and it's sort of like okay, I mean. I guess you could say from a sociological or psychological standard, like is that objectification of beauty good for society? I don't know. We have a lot of problems around it, right? Like people go to extreme standards to try and be what their version of beauty is. And and obviously um, that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. And so is it better to just say, hey, fucking accept yourself but then like we don't do that in practice right like we still like it's just it's a psychological fact that like attractive people have an easier time in life like that's a thing yeah it's it's known it's just like you're attractive <laughs> like if you've been a tr- if you've been the chad your whole life or a stacy your whole life like literally like people just want to be like literally people want to be around you from a young age so you become more charismatic and extroverted because you have more experiences yeah. And then that just fucking opens doors and makes your life a lot easier. It's yeah. easier to be attractive conventionally. There is and a those lot. standards change throughout time. Yeah, there is a lot of uh focus on in society on the physical appearance. And you know, I think that you're right. People don't practice what they preach necessarily. Right. Well, societally. Societally. In, in general except sense. everybody. It's like, well, yeah, but you know, well, I think about people who are like actors. Yeah. You know, it's like you can get older and then some people are going to be a certain age, but they'll probably look older than they are or they'll look younger than they are. And it's going to change what kind of like work they get sure. from being an actor because they look a certain way. And even all actors, though, they all like even like you think of like who's an ugly actor like a Steve Buscemi. Right. He's weird looking. Yeah. He's not conventionally handsome. He's not a Brad Pitt. Yeah. Right. But even he still has a certain like, um, I mean, you know, maybe he's a bad example because he's more of like he's a very strong character actor. You think of like a Willem Dafoe or just someone weird looking, but like they still have those like charismatic, attractive features that kind of draw you to them. Big eyes is a big one, right? Actors, all they all have nice, big, open, expressive eyes because we want to see that translate on the screen. And that does translate on the screen. Yeah. Your eyes communicate a lot and it's. You know, it's like kind of the first thing you kind of learn in on-camera acting is how your eyes are the window to the soul. Um, and, you know, other symmetrical features and just like very striking features, right? Like, you know, good, strong jaw lines. Yeah. Things like that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, um, but, you know, they also, it's like you look at other, like you look at like Chris Pratt before he was Chris Pratt. And it's like, okay. He just kind of looks like a chubby stoner dork. And he kind of was. Yeah. But then it's like you get that first lead and then it's like now he has money. So now he can afford better stuff. So now he's going to afford the best trainers in the world and the diets and all this shit. And right. Hair and makeup and all this fucking shit. And then it's like, 
it just becomes exponentially easier. Yeah. To be conventionally attractive, right? Yeah. Not that I'd know anything about being conventionally attractive. No. God, no. The God, no. But you know, our <laughs> realism. Yeah, back to realism. There's a focus there in the, the sense of the angels on individual beauty. Um, but overall, you know, the religion is sort of accepting of all different types of people. Do you think it's incongruous that the Elohim are only supposed to interact with the best looking? I Here's my honest blanket thought. Yeah. Here lay I it on me, us. Right? I feel uncomfortable judging one person's rela- relation to religion versus another. And there's a lot of positives here about realism. They have a lot of what I think are conventionally progressive views that, you know, you know, are good. There's there's positives there, right? They they promote certain areas of positivity. They take on very progressive kind of positive causes. They do charity work. They're doing good, you know. Do they always practice what they preach? No. Does any fucking religion? Hardly. You know? I mean, very easy for me to mock Catholicism. Oh, the, sure. Kick them when they're down. Right. You know, the priests are raping kids all over, all up and down the town. Yeah, well, they moved them somewhere else. They moved them somewhere else. But then it's They're like, not raping the same kids. <laughs> They're raping different kids sure. now. But then it's like, you know, you kind of look at some of the practices up top and you're like, eh. You know, this guy's allegedly, <laughs> you know. It's like, yeah, it's it's interesting how you've run unopposed for how many years and you right. started everything and you're the only one who's allowed to view all the stuff and and you keep a harem of women. But it's like, you know, there's other religions that do all those combinations of things. Like, yeah, you don't think the old ancient. I only bring up Catholicism a lot just because it's what I'm familiar with. Right. And, uh, you know, you don't think like even in the, the old popes, you don't think they did favors and they used to fucking sell pieces of paper for your sins. You had to buy things. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. It just happened a long time ago. We didn't have it on camera. We didn't have it in modern times. So who am I to judge? That being said, he still dated a 16 year old. <laughs> Married. Married of a 16 year old, which is something I do not condone. Made her an honest woman. That's fucked up. <laughs> and they are still together. Yeah. Um, in the... In the Vice documentary, uh, which I thought was actually pretty good, um, it's very, I would say, neutral. Mm-hmm. You can tell that the the filmmaker has approaches the subject at first without an agenda, mm-hmm. and then develops an agenda, but is honest about the agenda, and that's part of the film. Is that like, he says at some point that he really wants to prove that Rael made it all up, but he doesn't ever really let that, I think, cloud, like influence the, like, it's not like he tries to make it a smear piece. It's really more like, we're just observing this. And it spends a lot of time in the documentary talking to, I think, a religious studies professor from like Cal Berkeley or UCLA or somewhere. And the 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 professor, whose name I don't remember, uh, but he is wearing uh, suspenders that are like have images from a deck of cards on them. Uh, he says that if he could, if he could learn about a new religion, 
he wouldn't be so interested in what they believe, but he would be more interested in like people who believe it. How do they live their lives? And he thought that was an interesting point. And when you take away, look, Rayelism is a one is something that's probably pretty easy to mock from a beliefs standpoint. Oh yeah, it's very easy. It's ancient astronauts. It's it's all it's all stuff that that people who don't believe in that stuff could mock easily. But it's like, what's the? I mean, beliefs are just whatever they are. Who gives a shit what people yeah, believe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the real impact on anybody is just how do they live their lives. A lot of religions, a lot of Judeo Judeo Christian religions are all based on a weird version of ancient astronaut. Yeah, too. Essentially, you yeah. Think about it. Yeah, it's all kind of the same mishmash of like, there's things they live somewhere that isn't here, and they sent stuff here, and they helped us, and they did things here, and they influenced things here, and then they went away, and then maybe one day they'll come back. Yeah, and and in in realism to me is, I mean, I'm not. This is not an original thought, by the way. It's I'm not the first person to think this. That it's very. Well, you're not known for those. I'm not known for thinking on my own. <laughs> I'm, I'm known for just copying what other people think yeah. and claiming that I came it's up so with it. So much easier. The uh, it's very Judeo-Christian in its structure yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, it, it's very biblical mm-hmm. in a sense. And I don't know. It's just it's interesting. The people that believe in realism, they seem just like chill people and like yeah they address this in the film where they basically the filmmaker says what would you what would you do if you found out if Rael came out tomorrow and said i made all this up i never talked with the elohim that's not real all this is just a lie nobody said i would be so betrayed this would be horrible they all had this outlook of like it doesn't really matter if it was a lie or not Rael's teaching helped me believe these things about myself and I achieved all these things. And even if it's all a lie, like I'm always, I'll be forever grateful for what the movement has helped me do in my own life. Right. I mean, it's hard to argue with like helping people who suffered female genital mutilation, Yeah, which is not something they choose. Right. Um, so it's like, I mean, the net, the net impact on the it's world positive. is positive. I would say, or at the very least, it's benign. It has no impact either way. Yeah, I can, that's how I feel. It's like I, a lot of what I'm talking about is like the the guy at the top. It's not the actual movement itself because it's yeah. like it's so it's like it's just so easy to make the connection that he just t- borrowed and took things from other things because it's so close to all that stuff, and then it's just layered with like a lot of positivity of like, hey, be yourself, do these things, like don't. Fuck kids. Don't do right. incest. Like things that most people learn already from, learn from my mistakes. Don't right. fuck children. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's where I draw the line. It's just like, there's just a couple of, so you know what I mean? And like, so maybe this religion will go through a reform one day when this rail guy passes nice. away or whatever, and they'll go through a reform and they'll get rid of some of those problematic areas. And then what would you say about this religion? You remove him from it. Exactly. Like you said, you're like, Oh, Seems fine. Like they're kooky, but they're happy. What do I give a fuck? You seem yeah. happier than me. Fuck. I, just, I I think that that was very. I'm not having sex with any fucking hot fucking human clone robot babes, am I? No. No. You're not. Even a little bit. So who am I to talk? <laughs> but I felt I felt kind of good hearing that professor say that because I had sort of the similar. Because journey. I decided to join Rail. I'm a Railian now. 
I had a similar journey with it where I started out and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to find that this is like all very cultish and this guy's like built this like, I mean, there is a bit of a cult of personality around Rael and I'd be lying if I said I don't part of the draw. I'd be lying if I said like, I don't, I think, I don't think that he enjoys that. I think that he very much does enjoy that. I think that's part of the draw for him. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's sort of like, He's not asking them to do anything weird. Like, I don't care. Unless you're an angel. Well, yeah, unless you're an angel. But then it's pretty much like he's just asking you to have sex with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unless the Elohim come back, in which case, I mean. Then he was right. Yeah. Then he'll be there, too. Egg on our face. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Egg him. (laughs) But it's it's, it's sort of a like, uh, there's not that many Raelians. Right. It's not like, I mean, there's. There's over a billion Christians. There's over a billion Muslims. Mm-hmm. Raelians are like a drop in the bucket. One thing I did hear interesting in this documentary, I don't know how true this fact is, is that there are like over 740 recognized religions on earth. Wow. Are you surprised at that number? I was shocked. That's so high. Yeah. That's a lot. I guess, I mean, there's like... But you talk about like regional variations of a similar religion. Like, yeah, like what are we what are we categorizing? Like, is yeah. every fucking Baskin Robbins flavor of Christianity like included in that number? I don't know. There's got to be a lot of different sects of Islam as well that I know nothing about, and then you've got a lot of right. Eastern religion, right? That I don't I don't jack shit about all that. Right, African religions like yeah, uh, traditional. Um, Animism in North America, South America, Central America. About any of that stuff. Uh, there's all kinds of of religions. Think think about like uh, um, you know traditional religions in like uh, the Caribbean, in the islands. Like each each island could have a separate type of religion. Yeah, I mean I don't know anything about it. Maybe I'm just making things up. But maybe you are. Seven forty. I was surprised. Hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think realism is like doing that much harm. We wouldn't even be talking about it, really, if these guys didn't go with all their cloning stuff that they allegedly lied about. Right. Yeah. Do you think they made a clone? I do not believe that they made a clone. I don't think so either. <laughs> I mean, it's just, to me, the story... I think if they actually had a clone, then... They would things, have presented it for yeah, scientific Things study. would have been a lot different. Because the, the, the thing is like, well, no, we're not going to show you the baby like that's private right the parents are in hiding yeah they live in israel you wouldn't know them they go to a different school yeah they go to a different like, school it's like okay all right <laughs> it just like it withers yeah. under the slightest bit of scrutiny right um right and so i don't know uh Brigitte Bosselier is apparently like a dual degree in like chemistry or something like yeah. dual doctorates or something she's actually like a scientist type person and she's and She's the communications director for the international movement. So she's, you know, she's as close to Rael as she can be. Mm-hmm. And then obviously she's, you know, been tapped to take over when he's no longer here. Um, But I just don't, I think, th- I think that the whole thing was just a publicity stunt. Yeah. Just designed to drive membership. It worked. Yeah. It's a smart move. Although they've also been accused of like, lying about how many members there are <laughs> to make it look better than it is. But I, I think the, the bottom line of it is that Rael sort of has enough, um, people yeah. to like be kept, I guess. Like in this, in the documentary, he's living in Okinawa. Um, he has, he lives in this house that one of the members 
provided him. It's like a mansion on the beach. Uh, I got to start a fucking religion, dude. You don't even have to be that creative. You just got to be a little bit charismatic. And I could live in a mansion in Okinawa, too. And it's it's very interesting because it seems like realism is popular with Francophiles. So people, places where they speak French. Oh. So like, um, you know, places colonially where France was the dominant power. Or like places like Quebec or France, like in the documentary, they're they're in Burkina Faso a lot. Like a lot of it f- focuses on Burkina Faso. Where uh, is that? In West Africa. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like south of Mali and north of Ghana. Okay. Um, like it's right in the like right in the like you know that bulb part of Africa. Mm-hmm. Western Africa, it's like right in the like lower center of it. Nice. Uh Book watching Andy fucking I'm so yeah, aggressively very aggressively shaping out yeah, the African continent with my hands. Um but it see but then it but then it does very well with Francophile countries and then it's like, oh, there's also seems to be like a big presence in like Far East Asia, hmm. like Japan and and South Korea. Um you know, one of the like people who's in his inner circle now, or at least in that time of the documentary, is uh, like a Chinese music student. So, like, hmm. I don't know. It just it's an interesting pastiche of people that have like gathered around him. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen. There's we've covered we've covered a handful of cults and different religious aspects. And does things. it feel culty to you at all? I not yet. Again, I'm very curious. I I would love to somehow one day find someone who's like an expert on cults and be like, what's the line? I'll say the the religion professor said that cult, that he wished people wouldn't refer to things as cults. Yeah. That it's it's unnecessarily derogatory. Oh, wow. Just in the idea that what's the line? Like what makes it a cult? Yeah, what is the line? And that's the thing is his point was like, you could label any religion or religious group as a cult just because you don't feel comfortable with right. what they're teaching or right. whatever, but it doesn't necessarily imply anything about their practices. And like, I mean, there's no, I, it feels like sociologists who've, who like understand religion and study religion have studied realism and they don't see this evidence that, Rails exploiting women, right? Um, that women go into the the movement willingly. Um, there's no people who are members. They testify. There's no punishment for leaving. You don't like suffer. It's not like Scientology where you suffer consequences. They, yeah, for and leaving. they fucking attack you right. and do shit to they you. They send yeah, people yeah. to follow you around. Like it's it's right. they're about freedom. Right. It's like you're free to be here. If you don't want to be here, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean, if, if if people willingly subject themselves to what those angels have to go through, then that's, I, I who am I to fucking tell you that you can't, right? Um, There's a guy who is a, a member still in the documentary, and he's talking to the filmmaker, and the guy says that his girlfriend uh, used to be an angel. And I, th- I think he said they don't date anymore, but that while they were still dating, she decided that she didn't want to be an angel anymore was fine they uh, you know they said goodbye to her she was free to leave yeah 
a few years later, she decided she wanted to come back to it. Yeah. And they welcomed her back. Right. And there was no like hard feelings. There was yeah. no anything. That for me is the line. That's right. the line for me personally when I look at, well, that's a cult and that isn't. Punishment. Yeah. Retribution. Like, like, like do, do you have the ability to leave this thing freely and without actual physical or legal repercussion? Yeah. Most churches in America, you can join them and then never fucking go back. They don't give a shit. They don't fucking hound you. They don't gun you down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, mm -hmm. don't, they don't stop you from talking to your family. You know, things that are positive and generally like, hey, we just, hey, I just want you. Like every religion. I remember when I was growing up, I went to um, a Protestant uh, kind of school. And I remember we were in chapel and there was a sermon that one of the teachers were giving. It was like, you know, how do you recruit more people? And then think you can, it depend, it's on your worldview. Some people who hate religion, like you who wear a fedora and you, you're frequently a redditor and you give out karma to people and you talk that you pet little doggos and you say like kind stranger and milady. you, you look at that and you say, that's fucking gross. You might say like their tactics for how they, they go, Hey, <laughs> just invite your friends. Just say like, Hey, you want to come to church with me? Like they would teach us how to do that. Right. Go, Ugh, that's so predatory and gross. I'm an atheist. <laughs> Never going to recruit me to anything. But then other people look at that and they go, hey, that's really nice. Like, you just want to bring your friend into something. And and to be honest, you know, if religion works for somebody, then it fucking works for them. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I mean, that's... do I necessarily want to be with people who are super religious or be around them? No, because I talk like a degenerate gremlin animal and I'm a pain in the ass to be around. I can't control my stupid, hot little potty mouth. I have this sexy little mouth and it's fucking spewing dirty shit all day long and frequently prudish people who are who are really involved in their church don't feel comfortable around that okay maybe realisms would maybe what is their feeling on uh, potty mouths do you know anything about that you think they're prudes when it comes to like having to throw fuck into every sentence I don't think that they would care it harms nobody I do think that I did I did come away with the impression and I don't know that much, right? Yeah. Like this is just my impression from watching things is that I feel like Rael himself has some certain expectations of the people that are around him. Um right. so like maybe him personally, he would be like, Oh no no no, don't say that no, with no, no, no. but uh, do not do not have to say fuck all the time at you are saying, fuck this sinner, fuck that. Why don't you just say, I don't care for it? <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds very much like Rael. But like, I don't think that as a movement... It does not please me. Say this art instead of saying, fuck this, fuck that. Uh, you say, fuck, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you could say... This is not pleasurable. <laughs> Instead of a fuck. Yeah, whatever you say, Real. Anyway, I where's my pink arrow? Where's I my pink feather? Where's my pink fucking feather, you fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think as a movement overall, <laughs> they wouldn't care. They seem a lot happier than me. Let's say, let's put it that way. These seem like happy people. I have to say, I don't and, believe in it, but they seem happy. And I have to say, they. This I know that this is a movie, and I know that I'm being fed something to believe in. 
and they're making a they're trying to make a point. Yeah. But Burkina Faso is featured heavily in that the the prophet in the space. And I swear there was you more of this up a lot. I this it, it was just a very I think it was very well done. Uh I would recommend you watch it. It's not the only thing that generated information long. for this. It's yeah. It's like over an hour and a half long. Oh, I thought it was like a weird, like one of those three-hour movies. 90 minutes or something. Oh, okay. It's not that long. But it's like a feature length. It's a feature length film. Um, It's on YouTube. Yeah. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's linked in the show notes. Yeah. But uh, they they did an interview. You know, they're showing all these, you know, Raelians in the community and stuff and how like happy and like they have all these great... Um, interactions with people and they just seem like really nice people. They're always having fun and stuff. And then they go talk to an imam at the local mosque, wherever they are, which is this very like, you can tell it's like this very old building. It's like shaped kind of like, you know, it's like peaked at the top and it just comes straight down. It's like, like, like half of a cob of corn or something. And it's got all those like wood, you know, those wood things stuck in it. Yeah. Like the stakes. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I don't know yeah, the yeah. I don't know the architectural term for it, but you know what I mean. Corn cob stakes. Yeah. And so they're talking to the the imam uh-huh. uh, at the mosque. And the imam is talking about how, like, you know, women are slutty and they need to learn to be respectful. And, like, this uh-huh. is a great sin and it's very offensive <laughs> to right. God. And it's like, oh, it's just so depressing, like, hearing this imam talk. Yeah. Where, meanwhile, the Raelians are like, you know, if you've been affected by female genital mutilation, like you should be able to, you sh- you should be able to get your body repaired. Like you should be yeah. able to have like sexual pleasure. Forcing again. people to be like, hey, it's topless day. Fucking let's Take see those your top tits. off. Yeah. Like no, it's, it's like, not like that. I'm it's sure like, it's like if, if you, you want, want to, want there you want to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Yeah. They're just kind of like hippies. Yeah, it's a very new agey. Yeah, it's like it's like new age Christianity essentially. It really is what? It yeah, is. with aliens. With aliens. God, I want to join so bad. I just I'm not someone who we both are not people who subscribe to like any kind of like strong belief system. <laughs> We're yeah. just that level of uh traumatized. In so our life. jaded, jaded, judgmental losers. Right, who just can't find happiness. So, um. But you know, I mean, like, I can't. I, I probably couldn't get behind. I'd probably roll my eyes at it. The, like, all the goofy, well, like they live on an alien planet. I'm like, yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, where's the proof? And I almost feel like <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, you have to. Like at least Christianity kind of had when it was explained to me really well. I had this really great religion teacher in high school who, like, it was again. I've told this story before. First time someone had ever told me that, like, hey, the Bible's not actually real. It's a historical context document from ancient Israelites on like metaphors for how to be a good, happy, kind person in an age that was insanely barbaric and brutal. Right. And it's like, whoa, it like fucking blew my mind. When when uh, is- Israelites are being constantly attacked by Assyrians and Romans. Yeah, everybody. And literally. Every, literally every single person. I mean, literally they, they live in a part of the world that's just... Constantly subject to conquering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just a book on like that. And so you kind of like Christianity, you know, the the Jewish Torah, uh, the Quran, all these books, they have that like ancient thing kind of going for them. Mm-hmm. Like they they survived. They stood the test of time. And right. 
they sort of have that historical context that you can always lean on where you go like, well, you know, listen, do I actually think a dude fucking turned water into wine? No, but like there's interesting, like what does that story mean from a historical context of an ancient person? It's 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 an interesting piece of history because we don't have much else to, to rely on. It's interesting. Whereas realism, it's, you know, they started it in like the 70s. So like they're right. just basing everything on something that's, I'm going to, I'm already going to lean towards the primary source right. thing they already based everything off of. Right. right. <laughs> well, and the religion professor makes an interesting point about that whole thing is like, you love this guy. Ah, he's, he's very insightful. Uh, <laughs> at least the stuff they showed on camera. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, it's basically like he, he says uh, that, that we, we, we feel comfortable with traditional religions because they're traditional. Right. Because, because they believe because people that are Christians, like for people who are Christian, it's like other Christians believe things that that this even if this person doesn't believe them, like their parents believe, their grandparents believe. Like you can find massive communities of people online. No one's persecuting you for being any of the major three religions. Well, I shouldn't say that. Well, that's that's a maybe a, too big of a generalization. You're not being largely persecuted. Right, for right, 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 right. There's there's. There's individual <laughs> pockets of persecution yeah. coming from different like places. Like things happening in the modern day NBA, for right. example. Right, for example, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The major three, like Judaism, nobody's ever really persecuted yeah. Jews or Muslims anywhere in the earth before. But I, what I'm trying to say is that like you can find major, persecution was the wrong word to use. You could find other people who also are like, oh, hey, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have the same frame of reference. I'm a Christian too, or I'm you a could Jew, almost, or I'm a Muslim. As a Christian and, or as a Muslim, you could almost go anywhere in the world and right. find somebody who shares your belief system right. to at least a degree. Right. So it's very easy. But like with realism, it's, it has some of those elements. Or a Jehovah Witness. Or yeah, yeah. even a Mormon. Yeah, honestly. You go outside the U.S., I I said earlier pockets, about but... Rael meeting a, a Mormon, and right. that happens in Japan. Right, they're obviously there on mission. These two Mormons, and there's this really tall, very pale white Mormon, as you right. might expect, wearing a suit. He's a tall white. Uh, yeah, tall white. Charles Hall was there. I gave him a pamphlet about <laughs> John Smith <laughs> and the golden plates. Yeah. <laughs> And he was so impressed that I didn't fall asleep <laughs> that he told me I could see the golden plates. <laughs> the So the, you know, this interaction goes like, you know, the Mormon approaches Rael. <laughs> it's pretty funny because apparently uh, Rael is, he must be a big pitonk player. Do you know what pitonk is? No fucking clue. It's sort of like bocce, bocce ball. Oh. So it's a ball game. It's a boule type game you play with the bull. bull as they would say in la france the but it's uh it's it's petanque and it's like he keeps he's always playing it in the the movie and i don't know if that's him wanting to show that he plays petanque or what but they go to like a tournament in okinawa and i thought it was a raelian thing but he took his people like brigitte Bossolier, um i think sophie is there his Ballet dancer, sixteen-year-old wife, former wife, uh, is there, and like some of the hangers-on that are like close to him at the time of that they're making this film, and they go to this tournament and they're 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 tossing their balls, and this judge calls time, 
like stop throwing. Well, Rael gets mad because they haven't thrown all their balls yet. It's like some sort of a tournament. Okay. And so one of the people there, I mean, it's it's like the guy only speaks Japanese, the judge. So Rael has to have somebody translate for him. And he's like, tell him it's not fair. T- tell him we're leaving if we don't get to throw all of our balls. And then it's like in the next shot, they're all packed up their stuff and they're leaving. So apparently he quit this tournament because they called time before he had finished and he was pissed about it. Okay. <laughs> and so this is where he finds this huge Mormon. Oh, okay. Um, and the Mormon is like talking to him. And I assume the Mormon didn't realize that like this is Rael. Yeah. So like he has no clue what's going on, but he's obviously just trying to like pass, like talk to him about Mormonism. And uh, it's like a pretty funny interaction because, you know, Rael's like, oh, I started my own religion. And the guy's like, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) They didn't didn't teach me about this in Mormon school. And so, like, as they're, like, wrapping up this conversation, because you can tell, like, the Mormon kid is just like, this is going to go nowhere. One of Rael's people, like, hands him, like, a pamphlet. And so Rael hands it to the kid, and he's like, promise me you'll read this. And the kid, like, opens his messenger bag and pulls out a thing, and he's like, promise me you'll read this. And he's like, I will read every page. And he's like, but I want you specifically to read this first paragraph and then this prayer. Will you pray? And he's like, no, we don't pray. We meditate, but I will read it. And then the guy goes, they go away and they're packing the stuff in the car. And Rael tells the camera like, Oh, he couldn't have picked a worse person than me. Huh? Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the point of me even telling this story. Oh, Rael, you little stinker. Stinker, you little scamp. Scamp. Oh, you're such a cute. Ain't I such a stinker? And then he bit a big carrot. Yeah. And he was dressed like a woman the whole time. (laughs) Um, What else did you write down? That's it. That's it? That's all you want to talk about? Anything else you want to bring up? How about their war against the Catholic Church? What? How about the Raelians' war against the Catholic Church? When was that? They just, they... Passing out contraceptive devices. Oh, right. They don't like pedophilia, calling the church out for having pedos. In some capacity. Um, Again, if it's not Rael. Right. No, I, yeah, I, that's fine. <laughs> I right. don't subscribe to any Art of that. endorses anti-pedophilia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big news. <clears throat> Big news. Big news, beefers. Um, uh, what else do you want to talk about? Are you ready to get to verdicts? I don't know. I think we could probably get to verdicts. You know, it's this is a beefy topic. We're, beefy we're running topic. up against our uh, the clock here, and um, this is going to be a long episode. Yeah. So and, if you're listening, um, if you started at this point, just be ready because this is going to be a long one when you go back to the beginning and listen from there. What? <laughs> yeah, you know those people who, when they listen to a podcast, they scrub to the end. They go to almost the end. Right. Um. I don't know what's our even verdict on. I guess we're going to, I think what the verdict has to be is, do we think Rael is being truthful in that he was, he received genuine revelations from extraterrestrial beings okay, and that that formed the basis of this new religion and that that's genuine. Um, again, I think at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter to either one of us whether it's genuine or not. The The output of the behavior of the followers is really the thing that matters, but I think for purposes of this show, that's yeah. what our verdict has to be. Okay. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, I mean, case closed. I don't think that he <laughs> met an alien in France. Um, 
<laughs> I don't think that. I think allegedly what happened was that, uh, <laughs> yeah, his singing career didn't take off. His motorsports career got cut short. And he, like many people before him, decided, you know what? Starting a religion sounds pretty cool. I got a lot of weird <laughs> thoughts on life and society and aliens are big. And, uh, you know, there's all this weird ancient astronaut movement happening in France. And I like having sex with lots of fucking women and doing <laughs> drugs or not doing drugs and just kind of free love. And uh, I'm going to do that. And so I think allegedly that's what happened. And uh, that's fine. I guess. Yeah. If a bunch of people want to get together and <clears throat> believe that and they can all find happiness and there's no weird, creepy shit going on and they're not doing bad stuff and uh, they're, the general net is positive, then so be it. Good luck to you. Have fun. Pretty solid verdict there, Artie. And I'm going to second everything. I'm also case closed. You know, I don't believe any of that ET bullshit. Um, but let's face it, Rael uh, is a Chad. He's a pussy slayer, and <laughs> he can't be stopped on his world conquest of yeah. of devouring Poon yeah. across this globe. Right. And I think we should all salute him for that. Yeah, 70-something years old and just slaying every day, slanging his meat around the four corners of the globe. His yellow hog. His yellow hog. <laughs> oink, oink. Hop aboard, because uh, this craft is going... Right, not to the moon, to your poon. <laughs> what do you think, Beefers? Yeah, yeah a fan of realism. Um, yeah. You like it, you want to join it, um, send us your membership card and we'll send you back a free uh, one single McDonald's cheeseburger. Wow. Um, but we need your actual, actual membership card and we'll yes. send it back to you with your cheeseburger. That's right. Uh, sealed in epoxy, so it will be fresh when it gets there. It's got to be sealed in epoxy. Uh, let us know what you think about realism. Use the hashtag um, man, I guess it's got to be Elo Hog. Elo Hog! So use the hashtag Elo Hog. Let us know what you think about realism. And um, you can get at us on Twitter, Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. Find us on email, Mr. Bunker Pod at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube. Um, just go to YouTube and search Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast and we'll come up. Um, you can, if you have the means to do so, you feel so inclined, consider becoming a patron of the show. Consider go to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. For five bucks a month, the low, low price of five bucks a month. That's uh, more, I guess, than one McDonald's cheeseburger, but a little bit more. Not that much more. Um, so your choice, whether you want one McDonald's cheeseburger one time or if you want, you know, continuing content for the rest of your life. Right. Uh, or until both me and Art are. One's going to feed your souls and one will feed your stomach for like, I don't know, an hour. An hour, yeah. maybe, if you're lucky. But five bucks a month gets you access to. The Bunker Discord. It gets you access to thousands of hours of Patreon-only exclusive content available only to subscribers, uh, totally behind the scenes. Totally. Um, it's security cam footage from inside both mine and Art's bathrooms at uh -huh. home. Um, you can see us and our families using the toilet 24-7. Uh, that's only five bucks a month. That's it. That's five bucks a month. And uh, we also... 
have scheduled, uh, he doesn't know it yet, but in-person meet and greets with Nick wow. Simon, our friend. Yeah. So if you join the Patreon. He, he's not aware of that, but we did schedule a lot of those. <laughs> you did. If you join the Patreon, we will send you Nick's address and you can go <laughs> visit him. Uh, so to consider it, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Right. Um, I, I guess, I guess that's, that's it, right, Art? Do you have any closing thoughts? I mean, I do want to say one more time, thank you to Adam Mezzaroni. Thank you for to this, Adam. Uh, amazing, huge topic. Yeah. That's um, a big one. What are your closing thoughts, Art? You know what, Bunk Funkers, at the end of the day, um, if you want to have hot alien sex, <laughs> you know I support it. Yeah. You know I always have. <laughs> and, um, I hope one day we all get to go to a crazy, awesome sex party, fucking alien planet with awesome robo human clone sex bots and bear squirrels that are multicolored and look like the gummy bears. And um, it's just a fucking good ass time, dude. And um, let's do it. Let's throw some balls around. Let's race fast cars. Let's speak French. Let's have sex with aliens. Wow. Well said by Aloha. Brother. Brother. <laughs> well said by famous <laughs> alien sex <laughs> advocate Art Stone. That's our show for today, giraffes. Um, so for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my salacious oh. co-host, Art Stone, this is Andy Hart saying that was the whole enchilada. Elohim, 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 I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.